Like, I don't miss the Jude Law, Colin Farrell Justice League that they talked about for a year and a half. Yeah. I don't miss that. That would probably have been ass. <laughs> but Aronofsky doing Batman year one? Yeah. That would have been pretty yeah, I think yeah, that would have yeah, been pretty yeah. badass. Welcome to Sincast, presented by CinemaSins. All right, everybody, welcome to the Sincast. This is Chris Atkinson from CinemaSins, joined as always by the voice of CinemaSins, Jeremy Scott. Sheboygan. Sheboygan. Mm-hmm. There we go. That's a new one. And from music video since Barrett Share. Yo. Yo. Sheboygan, man. Don't, sausage don't. Uh, sausage capital of Wisconsin. That's what I thought. Do you, That's do why you I have an, do you have a like a counterpoint to Sheboygan? That's what you should have done oh, right there. Yeah. Now the Mil- you know, like, Milwaukee. Kim, 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 Waukesha. Kim, Kim, <laughs> I don't know. West Dallas. Yeah. West Dallas. There you yeah. go. Fort Worth. So, yeah, we have a very basic uh, episode today. There's not any theme to it or uh, anything like that. We're going to be doing some rants. We're doing some some recommends and warns. We're going to answer some questions. Mm-hmm. So, uh, uh, who's mad about something? I feel like I'm taking crazy pills! I'm as mad as hell! You've never seen me very upset. Lord Jesus! Lord Jesus! I'm not mad. <clears throat> I'm really not. But I got to talk about this, and I, I I I reserve the right to couch everything I'm about to say at the end, and and write any wrongs as I meander through. This. You're such a dick. I am. I am a dick. Five six days ago, I saw an article making the rounds on social media about how Disney has shown Rise of the Skywalker in advance of its release to a terminally ill child. <clears throat> <laughs> now, this is a this is a very bad start. Let me, to a let me go on record first and foremost that I think doing a kindness for a terminally ill child is a good thing, and I am not here to say they should not do this. Yeah, you are. <laughs> Actually, I am here to ask some questions. Okay, why is it national news every time this happens? It makes me think the studio is promoting this kind of a story. And honestly, it's been Marvel and Star Wars over the last five years more than any other studio I can think of. Yeah. But this is far from the first time I've seen headlines of Disney shows movie early to terminate ill child. Yeah. No, you're right. How do they find the child? Are you telling me there's only one dying child in the U.S. that wants to see Star Wars early? What about the hundreds of others who don't get picked? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Do you think maybe they are showing the movie to those hundreds and that they're not promoting that the they're choosing biggest, one person the to... biggest uh caveat i have to my entire quote-unquote rant is that i don't know hmm. for all i know they have shown it to four thousand kids but it only makes national news once right 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 but i doubt it you think that it's more likely that they're just choosing one kid they're going to yes. a rando hospital and to being get like good press what do you say <laughs> ahead of their movie and and that does not negate the good deed of showing the film right, to the right. sick kid. I used to yeah. rant about Extreme Home Makeover and about how they would zoom in on these people's tears as yeah. they talked about their handicapped son or what have you. And my brother one time was over and he was like, shut the hell up. They get a, they get a free house. I'm like, <laughs> they get a free house they can't afford four months later. That's true. Because they built it way too big. And this show is using these people to make themselves make ABC and Tyler What's His Nuts look like <laughs> angels. And it feels very similar to that. 
it feels like okay do you know how many times john cena has done a make a wish grant wish for a sick kid i don't over 200 he has the world record in make a wish wishes granted really does it make national news every time he does it probably no no do you see the wwe prop it up every time john cena goes to a hospital to visit a sick kid no because he's doing it for pure motive reasons He's doing it because he cares. The studio is not showing this film to this one sick kid because they care. If they did, they would show it to all the sick kids. I, I, they would does, have an open. They would say, come to Orlando. All thousands of you will show you the film. <laughs> we'll mail you screeners. <laughs> I'm, I am cynical about the motives of the studio. That's do, all I'm saying. Do they need this press, though? Do they need it? It's fucking Star Wars. The, oh, there's, no, there's no reason for us to be reading about it. If it's not the studio pushing it, I mean, yeah, I'm sure they're not saying Every family with a sick kid that has ever had a kindness done to them does not turn to the local news, which then turns to the national news and it becomes viral. It doesn't happen. You know, it's uh, it's not nearly the gesture if you're like, we're going to show you Lady and the Tramp early or, you know, something (laughs) like that. You know, I just feel like, I mean, I'm I'm I just have questions. That's really all I want to start with. How do they choose the kid? Yeah. What about all the other kids that would have wanted to see it, too, but didn't get chosen? Yeah. Can you not do a kindness for a kid and show him a movie early before he dies without it being news? Now we're going back. How, how now dying gonna, is the kid, by the way? Pretty dying. Like, like to the he, point he's where he's not expected to live to when the movie opens. Oh, so that's the reason. It, well, that's it wasn't the just reason. The- given oh i'm gonna go way back to machiavelli's the prince i don't know if you read this book and i'm not saying it's a it's it's a i'm not saying it should be like your roadmap for life no but the part that stuck out to me most when i read it in high school was this section about good deeds where he talked about no no true good deed is an is uh, is publicized the only real good deed is anonymous and if you accept any thank yous publicly if you take any credit publicly for doing a good deed, then you have mixed your selfish motives in there and you're not necessarily doing it for a good deed. This is why a lot of the times I get annoyed when people tell me do such and such for charity. It's a tax write off. I don't I don't want to give to your charity so I can get a write off. Yeah, yeah. I want to give to your charity because it's a good thing to do. Yeah. And I realize that I'm talking about an ideal that most Americans probably don't live day in and day out. But I remember as a high school student, I was frustrated. I was like, if I help a woman carry her groceries to her car she's gonna see me carry her groceries i can't do that anonymously but it's still a good deed i wrestled with this morally wow all i'm saying is if you want to show star wars to a dying kid out of kindness the news doesn't ever need to be involved Mm. and i i'm wondering how this comes about and 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 especially because it's become so common it's become i've seen this like seven times in the last five years that's the broader point is that it it keeps happening and it keeps being publicized almost the exact same way yeah yeah yeah, yeah. and again uh, again it's a good deed (laughs) they're doing a nice thing for that kid i'm not trying to say they should stop doing it i think the i think the more uh i think the more important point is is there are there other kids on this whole thing? Because the, I don't know if you can do anything like this in secret necessarily. Uh, maybe you go to them and say, well, we're going to show you this, but you can't say anything. 
which would be very well. I, I, that's one of my other questions. Did they make this kid sign an NDA? <laughs> yeah, I bet you anything be, they did. That yeah. would be fucking hilarious. This dying kid is tweeting. Yeah, out, like, and I bet you anything. Did, but you yeah. know they did. They're so they're so fucking spoiler yeah, conscious. Totally, you totally. know they did. Yeah, Can yeah. you believe Baby Yoda shows up and kills the Emperor? <laughs> Unbelievable. I mean, they were pissed because John Boyega's script ended up on eBay. Yeah, they're no not going to show the whole film. To some rando family without having at least mom and dad sign an NDA. Oh, I absolutely they did. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And yeah, that yeah. takes a little bit of the edge off of your good deed, I think. Like, J.J. Abrams was pissed. He was. At John Boyega. He was. Yeah. So I don't see that guy just showing a film to people without requiring a little bit of, hey. Oh, no, yeah, I agree. Not I agree. allowed to talk about mm-hmm. this. No. Mm-hmm. Sorry, I didn't mean to derail your point, Chris. No, no, that's fine. I, uh, I mean, I, I, I somewhat agree. Uh, I mean, I mean, essentially agree with you, uh, about that. I mean, yeah, it does seem like it's, I don't know. The, 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 my main issue is we have to figure out how this is all done before I think I'd get really pissed off about it yep. because. I would have to know what are those terms? Why are there not more? Are there more? There's just, I'd have to know a lot more before I'd be like, I fucking hate this, you know, <laughs> something like that. I mean, when you're not saying you hate it, you're just saying that you, it, the, the motives seem less than genuine. I am, yes, I am now questioning the motives and they don't seem 100% pure to me. And that's really all I wanted to say. They're definitely not 100%. Now, pure. I almost tweeted something about this a few days ago until I remembered Twitter is not the place <laughs> for nuanced <laughs> nope. opinions. And even this podcast, if somebody hates me enough, they're going to find one section of a sliver I said and make it sound like I hate sick kids, which is not true. I just, I'm questioning the motives. And I think that there are some impure business motives there. And that makes me feel like maybe we're taking advantage of this kid. Uh, yeah, yes, of course, yes. So that just makes me You're feel right. uneasy. You're it's, right. it's not a rant. I'm not, until, like Chris said, until I know all the facts, I'm not pissed off. Yeah. But I have some questions. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I got may, you. I may write a strongly worded letter or two. Mm-hmm. I think uh, I think you got your point across with nuance. All right, good. You can't do that on Twitter. You're I, right. I was pretty nervous because, it, you know, on the surface, I'm about to rant about showing kids like a kindness. <laughs> exactly. That's not really what I'm trying to rant about. There was a um, there was a, a there was a, like a foreword in one of the uh, Dark Tower books that Stephen King. Uh, I can't remember what, if it was in front of a lot of them or if just one particular volume of the uh, the uh, Dark Tower series. And that um, was talking about how he was he didn't know where this story was going. He was just writing basically whatever came to his head. He has no outlines. And he I think he believes that if you have outlines, you're writing bad fiction. Um, and uh, and he said that there was a point where uh a woman who was like in her 80s or whatever she he 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 met her and she she uh asked him well, could you please tell me how the dark tower series ends because at this point mm-hmm. he was in five or six books and mm-hmm. whatever and he he said he nearly cried because he said i don't even know myself how it's going yeah. to end yeah and uh, i would definitely tell you but yeah. i just i don't know huh. you know where i've seen that is actually an epilogue epilogue of sorts or a coda to the gunslinger actually mm-hmm. like the reissues of the gunslinger mm-hmm. uh where he's come back at that point i think he had re- written wizard and glass which is the fourth book and he he came back to reissue the gunslinger and he was working on those last few mm-hmm. and that's what I, I read too it was like i, I still don't know as yeah. of writing that like i still don't know what's going on here. yeah exactly yeah. yeah 
My mine is very pale in comparison. <laughs> mine is too. <laughs> Mine's the palest. Should just let Jeremy go last on this one. Uh, I I I mentioned the apostrophe s thing a couple weeks ago, mm-hmm. and um and I had an outpouring of outreach and support. <laughs> uh, but uh, but like uh, one of the things that uh, I was talking about was the autocorrect, yeah, uh, thing on phones. And I know this is a this is probably something that people commonly bitch about. I I actually love autocorrect because when I'm sitting there typing, most of the time it knows exactly what word I'm trying to trying mm-hmm. to put in there and everything. And so it perfectly like I'm like, oh, I'm totally misspelling this, but I know it's going to correct it, so yeah. it's good. But then there are the ones where you're like you're typing were. And it wants to make it weir or mm-hmm. weir into were, and you're like, these are fucking words. Yeah just you don't have to correct why are you correcting this yeah, yeah and then like you start getting i don't know if you guys have gotten into that that thing where you're like you back up over a word and then you're and and then it like and then it uh starts giving you all these uh you know suggestions and everything and like you you hit something just wrong and then like a whole completely different word shows up <laughs> like you know you're trying to type in mcdonald's and then suddenly devil shows up you know, <laughs> and, and you're like wait a minute how did that happen um but i don't understand why it, like there are times where you're typing in something that is clearly a word it's not a disputed word it's yeah. not it's not something like you know uh, uh, the chicago manual style would be like you can't use that that's yeah. not really proper it's a real fucking american heritage dictionary word yeah and uh and and it'll say and it'll and it'll keep correcting it and you and you know you're supposed to at that point you're supposed to just hit some thing over here on the left that's like here's the word you're trying to type mm. i know you don't think it's a word and you should just hit that and just move along but like it'll sit there and and it, if you don't if you're not in that mindset and you want to type something off really fast, you'll go three or four times before it finally like you know you like you correct it and it goes back and you're like okay god damn it <laughs> it's changed this into like it changed this into David Letterman for some reason I don't know why and then and then uh, you just keep backing up and backing up and finally you just all right I'll I'll hit this over here. Um, and then there'd be some strange capitalizations that just show up yeah. out of nowhere. Yeah, yeah. Like, I, I know I may have typed it like this before, but just because I'm not typing it that way this time means I want you to capitalize it suddenly and everything. I think this bothers us more because I, and I think you do too, try to be as grammatically proper as possible, even with informal text. Yeah, well, you don't want to be misread. Right. Right. Mm-hmm. And and the only way to do that is to type it as intentionally as possible. I even use punctuation mm-hmm. every time I almost every time yeah, I text. Yeah. I try to. Uh like proper punctuation. Mm-hmm. And so stuff like that will really grind my gears too. Yeah. Where, where it's like, don't don't do this for me. I I know what I'm doing. Mm-hmm. See, I've I'm different. I've totally adopted the Young's way of <laughs> like I open every tweet with yeet. <laughs> yeah, yep. I don't even know what it means. I just know the kids say "yeet" a lot. It's crazy if you go down your feed, the tweets and replies. It's just "yeet, yeet, yeet, yeet." yeet. Mm-hmm. yeet. Honestly, don't know what "yeet" means. I really yeah. don't. Uh, but no, I feel it's a celebratory. It. It's like a barbaric yawp. You guys are both iPhone guys, right? Mm-hmm. So do you do you type every letter, or because I have a swipe keyboard where I I basically outline over the keyboard where Ty- I w- type every wor- letter. Because uh, yeah. I, I feel I, like there's a whole second level of frustration with this when you have a swipe keyboard. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Because like every time I try and t- do uh, or it does it. 
Uh, and there's like there's like 12 words I use regularly that it always gets fucking wrong, and I have to be like so fucking deliberate. I'm like, where's the AI, bitch? Uh, the, yeah. the swipe well, is so good, though. I used to have the swipe. I think Google I, I bought still... them. No, no, no. I mean, I had like an Android phone oh, okay. a long time ago, and God, I, I missed the swipe. The swipe I like it. Good. I couldn't do it if I had to type every single letter. It would drive me crazy. You get I would just to start it, doing yeah. voice to text if I had to do that. And they God. and they have that. There is that too. You but can talk about typos and that. Yeah, shit. No. <laughs> they. I mean, you can you can they, they. I mean, every every once in a while, it'll be like, do you want to do this diction style? And I'm like, no, fuck you. I want to type. Well, it. even if you hit like the wrong key accidentally, it'll bring that yeah, up. Yeah, and that's another thing. Like the the you know if and of. Mm-hmm. I swear to God. I swear to God, I'm typing of, mm-hmm. and it'll it'll change it to if, or I'm just like constantly hitting that I, which is right next to the O, and I don't know it, but I'm like, how is it that I can type, I can type independently an I or an O in other words and not have that same thing happen, but when it comes to if and of, fucking changes or or I somehow miss it every single time. Yep. I'm sitting there like, okay, I'm gonna, I'm like, you know, like aim your finger right at the O, and then like, oh, finally, you got it, now. you got that one, huh, you little dick. <laughs> <laughs> oh see you were somehow angrier about that than i was about the sick kid yeah i know i know i got you i feel your frustration yeah yeah it's not no it's not i mean it's nothing new i mean everybody has that problem it's not like uh it's not something that i'm bringing up that's you know other people don't have you know have probably ranted more about than i have here but uh it is something that i'm just like i don't understand why it is the way it is yeah about certain things on the autocorrect i have a rant about something even less important yeah Sweet. really how's that but possible it, but it's it's always the least important things that drive you the crazy it is went to see knives out recently mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. we in nashville now pretty much everywhere uh at our movie theaters have the fancy reclining mm-hmm. selected seats mm-hmm there's some theaters in the 27 that still don't have it yeah not every auditorium has right, it. Right, right. Uh, they'll have the stadium seating still because that's what they built into the whole thing but they don't have recliners and yeah 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 so so the, the one that i go to regularly in my neighborhood was built fairly recently and it's got the reclining seats and it's got nice long leg room uh you know nice little tiers and all that stuff and you recline and you get the tears and it's even got a little glass plastic partition above the uh, the, the the section in front of you, mm-hmm. right? Presumably, I guess, to, to kind of, if there's any reflection from like a, a phone or something like that. Oh, it's uh, a sneeze guard. Ah, sneeze guard. Be a sneeze yeah. guard, yeah, like at right. a salad bar? Well, yeah, well, there is a salad bar right, at, right a, a, across the side <laughs> of it. God damn it, I keep missing the salad bar. You missed bar. the salad bar, yeah. I am a fairly average-sized dude, at mm-hmm. least in terms of height. I'm about 5'10", 5'11". Mm-hmm. Anytime I recline my seat back to a comfortable position, I don't, is there masking on the bottom of the screen or is it just on the sides? Uh, I don't know how they do it in digital these days. Uh, the The masking is a completely different animal as it used to be. Okay, Like with 35, you had an aperture plate that a, uh, a technician would come in and file just so. Uh-huh. It's a metal thing that you would pop in. So, like, if you didn't have it in there, it would, the image would just be top, left, right, bottom of the screen. Right. In addition to the screen. So, that the whole thing is to stick that in there and it blocks everything off. Now, the digital, I'm assuming there is some sort of uh, 
digital masking of some yeah, sort. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, probably. So there's there's the the very bottom of the screen, and then there's a tiny little section between the bottom of the screen and the actual movie, the mm-hmm. picture. When I recline back at least to just a very like close to comfortable range, that glass partition is poking up into the movie itself, mm. into the image. That's bad design. And so if I go back any further, it gets further up yeah. onto that. If I go up, I'm essentially sitting up. Mm-hmm. I can scooch my ass up to like almost to the back portion of it, and I can barely see right over it. That's uncomfortable. That's, that negates the whole fucking point of having the comfy reclining seats. Yep. Now, is this like the first world problemsiest rant ever? Yes. Mm-hmm. But me as an average size adult should not be having this problem. If, matter of fact, people who are smaller than me, you probably don't have this problem, Chris, because you've got you're tall. I have run into it before. You have? Uh, not often, but I have. I suppose. I know what you're talking about. It also depends on the angle in which that you're you're sitting in the, mm-hmm. the movie theater. And typically I do sit on the side. So maybe that's it. But it's happening all the time. The problem is that plastic guard. It's not protecting anything. What is it, it there for? It doesn't make any sense. Why did they put it? Like, the the Regal that I go to most doesn't have that. It just has a wooden thing, and I can... It's really? perfect. I can recline all the way and still see the full screen, but if there were a six-inch plastic do-nothing guard on top of it, I would have the same problem you're talking about. So maybe it's just my theater. I is it not a Regal? Really don't uh, it's know. an AMC. I've, I've seen it. Problem. I've seen it before. And, I, and there, the other AMCs I've been to, the, the Thoroughbred is one. Uh-huh. It, I may have run into it in, in there before. Yeah. Uh, but uh, yeah, I don't know what that plastic thing is, is there for. It, I, I'm assuming, I don't know, like the, I'm assuming they think that, I don't know. I really don't know what the answer It might is. be, I'm honestly now trying to figure out why it's there. It might be uh, like, an attempt at a noise barrier so like if you were talking too loud that plastic might block yeah, your noise that yeah it definitely does nothing <laughs> no not in that, that yeah that because out showing. because <laughs> i like i spe- I, I mean and, and by the way i've ranted about this before you are not as quiet as you think you are when you're talking in the movie theater <laughs> no definitely not uh, if 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 you're even doing this right here people can fucking hear you <laughs> and um and uh like I know that there are certain parts of a movie or parts of a trailer or whatever where it, people are like, you know, you know, who gives a fuck? You know, you don't need to hear whatever's going on there. And people take that opportunity to just talk. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that knives out every once in a while. You would, it would get silent enough and you hear those people going, ha ha. Yeah. Blah, 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 blah. Oh my God. I swear to God. Okay. So trailers come up and we're talking during the trailers yeah, yeah. and stuff like that. Trailers come up, everything, lights go down. We're all ready for, for the, the show to start. And as soon as the lights go down, this dude right down the row from us is like, boy, I sure got quiet in here, didn't it? <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Like, what the fuck? Yeah. It's a well, goddamn movie. He's an well, old really. guy, so you know he's experienced a movie before. And there's a, there's a plot point in Knives Out where somebody says something and uh and and the, the situation has changed if you're following along uh-huh. and someone goes uh-huh, not anymore <laughs> just out loud and like yeah we all figured that out <laughs> fuck face i'm telling you you're, you're making an excellent argument for me uh not going to the movies any more often than i do currently uh well i mean typically it was weird because typically i'll see a matinee or something like that and i'll maybe be the only person in the theater uh, but this one had a lot more people than I'm used to, mm-hmm. especially for just like an early afternoon thing. So, yeah. Uh, but yes, 
That glass, plastic partition. You should. I must know why it's there. You should ask if they have any booster seats. Oh, oh. I could. And then you could be up higher and you could see over the plastic glass partition. Nothing is more comfortable than a booster seat. That's I'm telling true. you, booster for seats two and a half hours. For comfort. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. I was literally sitting like on the back edge of the recliner because as uh, when you when you sit in the recliner like that your natural tendency is to slouch down anyway mm. so i was like moving my ass around i was trying to like do this mm-hmm. uh yeah fuck yeah. fuck fuck them yeah fuck them yeah no idea i would love to know that myself why they put those up there and obviously you know when they decided to retrofit these theaters or build these theaters it's not like there was somebody going around to each seat and like figuring <laughs> out yeah, yeah. <laughs> and figuring out the best possible way of doing it they did it the cheapest way possible yeah yep. yeah hey at least you don't have like obstructed views like most sporting arenas like there are like 12 seats or so that you can't see anything yeah because they told you a seat behind a beam yeah i've done that uh many times when i went to wrigley uh there was a couple i mean you could get obstructed views for you know two dollars yeah. something like that and so i just go and you know you always find a place to move to at eventually Wrigley. yeah uh, maybe not anymore but yeah. back when they sucked every year for sure <laughs> well we actually got tickets i told you to to see home alone at the national symphony uh and it's it's the movie up on uh, a screen and all that with the orchestra playing along and so we got one and it said on the ticket it was in a box it said on the ticket uh semi-obstructed view and I was like, I was looking at where it was at, and I was like, no, that should be fine. Everything should be fine. So then we called them, and we were like, how obstructed? And they were like, oh, you're behind the screen. <laughs> oh, no. That's completely obstructed. Yeah. the screen, and I was like, well, you should probably tell us that. You should probably not sell that ticket. Exactly. <laughs> Even more that's, important. Yeah, that's like, that's like here, obstructed view, and then you're, you're outside. Yeah. <laughs> I remember when uh, Lucas Oil Stadium opened in Indianapolis, because I'm a Colts fan, mm-hmm. and I remember like when it opened, fans found like five seats that should never have been screwed into the concrete that's just the view so obstructed like only ebenezer scrooge would try and put a seat there and charge a ticket price for it but this was a stadium that had just opened and they're like somebody intentionally fucked over people like <laughs> sitting there staring directly at a beam. no i want sixty thousand and one chairs not just sixty thousand. good rants good rants mm-hmm. i have a conspiracy theory okay it's unexpected mm-hmm you know how everybody involved with Justice League has lately started talking about the Snyder Cut? Yes. Yeah. Including Gal Gadot and Ben Affleck. And Zack Snyder. And now Zack Snyder, two days ago, uh, tweeted out, does it exist? Uh, yes, it fucking does, or something like that. Okay. Here's my conspiracy theory. I believe the studio is tired of being harassed by the Snyder Cut people. Mm-hmm. They can't tweet anything. Without being flooded with hundreds of replies about the Snyder Cut. Mm -hmm. I think they have decided to, in some manner, release this film. Whether it's a glorified uh, souped-up Blu-ray that has multiple versions, or put it up on HBO Max, as I've seen uh, rumored here and there. Hmm. Um, And then, like, today I read that the cinematographer came out and said only 10% of what Zack Snyder shot is in the final film. Which... It's honestly hard to believe. Yeah. It's hard to believe that the studio would have let Joss Whedon reshoot 90% of the movie. Mm-hmm. But that is the claim by the cinematographer. My conspiracy theory is all of these people are talking about it because the studio 
has decided to put it out to quiet the crowd and they want to make whatever they can out of it. So this is a subtle like buildup of marketing to have like when Ben fucking Affleck goes on Twitter and says, release the Snyder cut. In my mind, there's only two options there. Mm -hmm. One was that maybe he fell off the wagon. And I hate to say that because I'm not joking, but that's the kind of thing that might happen. And two is that he's got a reason to do. He's not connected to this franchise anymore. No, and and then Zack Snyder retweeted that. Yeah, and Gal Gadot did her thing like right around. And that Aquaman time too. and Ray Price or Ray Fisher, whatever his name is. Ray Fisher, the, the guy that played Cyborg. Cyborg. Oh yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, so, do you think that they've been actually working on this though? I don't know about that. In between, or or that it has existed this entire time, and they're not doing anything new to it. I mean, if they release it from from the sound of it, they'd have to release it with unfinished footage. They're not going to spend millions of dollars to complete CGI. Mm-hmm. But I think it's pretty clear that the release the Snyder Cut people are never going to go away. No, they're definitely not. The only way you will ever get them to go away is to show them what they want. They will still believe it's best picture at the Oscars, <laughs> no matter what it is, but at least they'll stop asking for it. That's true. And what do you lose if you put it out there? If you at least caveat it as this unfinished. is an unfinished director's cut, what what does the studio lose any face? Do they lose any money? I mean, if if they're not completing CGI and stuff like that, and you're seeing like bare bones shit like that, I don't think that's amenable seeing to anybody. Time right? code at the top of the screen, <laughs> yeah, and like a little dots on See, fucking I cyborg. Think, <laughs> I don't think the people that want the cut care about that. I think I they think I think they believe they could see through unfinished shots and unfinished CGI to, to see the vision because these people are already convinced it's a superior film because they're all in. They actually want to take Danny Elfman's score out and put <laughs> Junkie XL score back in, which is you don't like music if that's what you want. Yeah. Like but Junkie XL is such a big Zack Snyder buddy and fan that it's it's all encompassing. We have to see Zack's original vision because it was cuz that, that was so superior. I just think the studio is going to do something, and they have at the very minimum given the green light to people involved in the film to tweet whatever they want about it. Because there's a well, reason sure. Zack Snyder didn't say there's a Snyder cut for the last two years, but did two days ago. Yeah. There's a reason. Yeah. I don't know what it is, but he could have said it two years ago, and he didn't. Yeah. I just think there's a, there's something to work there. I think you're giving this Justice League director's cut short shrift, Jeremy. <laughs> <laughs> Batman v Superman director's cut was fucking amazing. Oh, you're right. Damn. It fixed all the problems with extra length. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Not only did we watch that, just as an exercise, mm-hmm. when you sent it and you had to send it against the regular version, and God damn. Yeah, that, that was that was a thing. Oh, it was a masterpiece. You got to admit, though. <laughs> Um, it is compared to justice league yeah uh, about that yeah. yeah um let's do some recommends and warns yeah totes amazeballs right. it won the academy award oh for what for best movie ever made Mm-hmm. Anybody got some some movies that they want to talk about? Some movies? <laughs> I don't, I only have positive opinions today. I okay, come armed with two recommends and no warns, no recawarns. I have right. only negative opinions. That's great. Then you and I should alternate. <laughs> what about you? What do you got? One I have each? a mix. All right. So there you go. So uh, I'll go first with right. an unexpected uh, recommend. Uh, a movie called McFarland USA. I heard of this. Uh huh. This is a sports movie. Oh. Um. Kevin Costner coaching a cross-country team in a border town that's mostly filled with Hispanic kids. Um, it's not a very prosperous town. Mm-hmm. Um, most of the kids' families are migrant workers. And 
Costner has basically fucked himself over at his last couple jobs. Well, I think he screamed at a football player at one school and he knocked over a table at another one. He gets this job because they literally have nobody else to hire. They, they're desperate. Mm-hmm. So they hire this old white man, Kevin Costner. And most of the movie is about him acclimating to that culture, understanding that culture, and then taking his usual motivation techniques as a coach and rolling them in with, he, with what he has learned about these kids. Mm. Now, you could not have sold me on a movie with Kevin Costner as a coach of a cross-country team if you tried. Like, you could have said... <laughs> There's literally naked boobies in every scene, and I would have I would have retorted, but it's Kevin Costner coaching a cross country team. Uh, but <laughs> it gave me boobies. all the same feels of any of these good sports. Like there are good sports movies, and then there are just decent ones. But like, remember the Titans, uh, Friday Night Lights. I got the same kind of feels, and this is also based on a true story. Ah. So this guy comes out of nowhere and takes a team of nobodies. Most of them are they can't even run half a mile without falling out winded by the end of the season they win the fucking state championship and then they win nine of the, like the next 10 state championships Jeez. um and it's all based on a true story but man it made me feel good like like he moves to town and his neighbor gives him a chicken <laughs> like a live chicken <laughs> mm-hmm. and, and like she hands it to him and he's like oh this is for me and she walks away and he's like well well thank you got a chicken now um and he obviously overestimates, you know, these kids are like any other kids. I can motivate them the same way I would anybody else. But he realizes, you know, a lot of these kids, they're only running to escape, you know, mm. being at home. Mm. They're not running because they love running. Um, anyway, I really, really enjoyed it. It came and went. I don't remember anything about it when it was in the theaters. Uh, I think it's like maybe five years old. Five years old? Eight so, years old, somewhere around in there. So it is older Kevin Costner. It's not like vintage no, Kevin Costner. No, it's, I mean, do you know what year it came out? 2012 2010 i think it was a little bit earlier i mean later than that maybe 2015 you may be right um but i really really enjoyed it and uh i couldn't really think of very many negative things to say about it other than the fact that it's about you know cross country wow uh so 2015 pg so right in that like uh good feeling sports movies he's good in it he's great he's great um you know kevin costner i feel like when he tries too hard that's when he's less great yeah, um, and so you get something like uh, the postman. <laughs> <laughs> yes, uh, I, I just uh, yeah, he's fine. He's great. I, a number of actors could have done the role, I think, but it's just a really quality story. Yeah, um, and uh, eventually they accept him, and he accepts them, and yada yada. And it was a great ending shot over the credits because apparently all the kids on that first team he coached to state still come out every year and run with the kids on the team that year oh yeah um and so the final shot of the movie is the real people not the actors running with the real coach not kevin costner and a group of like what looks like ninth graders and apparently they do it every year and it's like a strong community thing it's made them all love playing calling that place home i really really liked it i'm gonna watch this i think you enjoy it so there you go Nice. There you go. Cross country movie. I just endorsed it. Yeah. Cats and dogs. Yeah. It, it also has naked boobies. It does not have naked boobies. No naked boobies. Oh, a feel good sports movie. It's, you should have boobies running around all the time. I'm telling you, that's why they were in Logan. Yeah, it's true. What? It's very true. Um. Yeah. So I uh, went to the uh, Blu-ray collection a couple of weeks ago. And uh was like, I'm gonna watch this movie Crawl that came out. Oh, oh so, yeah. 
I had heard good reviews. I had heard good things about it. Mm-hmm. Isn't this your girl from Crazy Stupid Love? No, um, this is Kaya Scodelario, who's in Maze Runner, and uh, she's in a oh. she's in that last Pirates movie. Does she kind of look like that girl from Crazy Stupid Love? Uh, yes, a the little babysitter? bit. The the yeah, Annalee Tipton is that's the right. one that's uh, in Crazy Stupid Love. I guess she kind of has some some look to her, but I I don't know that she. I've heard I've heard people compare Kaya Scodelario to other actresses before, and I don't remember okay. remember what what um, uh, which ones, but uh, I can show you a picture. But this is the Gator. Yeah, I think she looks like that. she's also in that Ted Bundy uh, movie. Oh, that was on Netflix. Oh, the, the one with Zac Efron. Yeah, yeah. Um, so um the it's it's directed by uh alexandra aya or mm. aja or however he pronounces it i don't i've never heard aja! it heard it yeah aja! <laughs> <laughs> never heard it pronounced uh but uh he's done a lot of like you know super bloody uh mm-hmm. gross horror movies now this one is a little bit tame for him even though we have alligators at the center of it and everything. <laughs> uh but um Kaya Scodelario is, uh, is, uh, she, I think she goes to Florida or she's in Florida, like that's her college. She goes to Florida and, uh, she has, she's been trying to get in contact with her dad and can't get, can't seem to get him on the phone. And, um, and then she says, all right, well, I guess I'm going to see, uh, see what's up. Problem is there's a hurricane coming. And, uh, and he lives somewhere. Like, I don't think hurricanes hit Gainesville that often. I think this is somewhere further down. Um, and, uh, and so she's driving out and there's a hurricane coming and they don't want to let her pass this one threshold. But of course she decides to like find a way to get, get around it and everything. All I could think about during this entire movie was the equalizer two. <laughs> the equalizer two. <laughs> it's all I could think about. Because the same thing happens. The no, oh, oh yeah, there was a hurricane at the, there's at the a hur- end of that. Yeah, there's a hurricane. Oh, for he, he 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 meets the bad guys in this like evacuated area and everything. And there's a point where he's trying to go through, and they're like, "No, you can't." Yeah, and he's, yeah, just, you can. he's just fuck you. I'm going. And uh, so like the whole thing, I was sitting there going, "God, this is." I mean, they they might as well have shot these movies at the same time. Oh man. And uh, but um. She, she gets, she goes to like their, their family house. I guess the, I guess her dad and mom have divorced or something like that. Uh, they go to the family house. He's nowhere to be found there. He's like, ah, well, maybe he's at his, uh, you know, bachelor house or whatever. So she goes over there and can't find him for the longest time. Then finally goes down to the basement and sees that he's been injured and he's like knocked unconscious and he's, he's down in the basement. He was working on something. Hurricane's coming. So, like, she needs to find a way to get him through this really complex basement. Like, there's <laughs> just boards and pipes and everything. It's like a maze. Simplify your it's, basement. It's like Pac-Man going around a basement. <laughs> and, uh, and like, so, uh, she, she, uh, she's, she tries to drag him through and her dad's played by Barry Pepper. Mm. Um, and she's trying to drag him through, but then, oh no, there's an alligator down there. Oh, yeah. And so, like, the movie becomes a series of, 
uh, I need to go here, but I need to avoid the alligator somehow. And then you find out there's even more alligators and then that they're coming through this one spot in the house even. And there's more than what you think. And so like, you know, it's a whole bunch of just, you know, like I need to get here, but I can't. Uh, I can't, I can try to get here, but I'm probably going to get massively hurt doing so and mm. so on and so forth. I'm going to say full on Warren on this movie. Oh, really? Uh, I, I was, I, and, and maybe I was just in a bad mood. I don't know what it is, but I, I was like, man, I feel like with this premise, you should do a little bit more than just have your characters trapped in a basement and just like, you know, just, I don't know, just trying to find these little, it's the the movie doesn't have very much excitement to it essentially like mm. i mean it's it, yeah alligators are are scary but it's not like jaws mm. where you're just you know you're i don't know you're not in i didn't feel like any constant fear mm. about it or anything and there's some there are some moments in here that are okay and everything uh but like yeah the as the hurricane is coming in and the floodwaters outside there's just like nothing but gators everywhere just like <laughs> an insane amount of of alligators and everything and then the meg shows up the meg shows up um but uh but yeah i i i didn't i felt like i felt like this could have been a little bit more suspenseful um a little bit more stuff to figure out mm-hmm. in it and everything the when you relegate it to just the basement for for nearly the entire movie you lose you lose some things out of that i feel like i feel like it needed to be like like the full house or a bigger house somehow Mm -hmm. or something to that nature and just you know and there would have been more challenges along the way and instead it's more like well uh should i should i try to brave it i mean the one thing about it is a hurricane is coming in and floodwaters are going to flood that entire basement so you have to act quickly and everything but yeah i was disappointed in this movie. yeah hmm. do you think that had you not heard anything about it at all because i've only heard positive things like it's good campy fun that kind of thing mm-hmm. do you think that if you went into it just completely blind that you would have enjoyed it it's more? possible yeah it's possible there are some like i said there's some moments like especially when it, when the movie does get to the outside and they're like calling for help and there's people who are showing up at gas stations and stuff like that uh where the the movie does get a little campy fun not enough of that yeah not enough of that for me anyway mm. um maybe enough for for people who weren't were not expecting anything when they went to go watch it mm. and everything but mm. i i got i got bored i yeah. got bored with this movie yeah. and maybe may, like i said every time when we do these things we watch a movie for the first time there, there it could be just our experience at the time and watch it again sure. later i might love this movie mm-hmm. but mm-hmm. i i thought it was boring fucking ayah i know ayah okay here's here's something that i think you've seen uh, mm-hmm. chris i don't know if you've seen this mm. el camino i have not seen yeah it. i have seen it i do know i do remember brad pitt in oh yeah yeah <laughs> the mexican going El Camino. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so I had heard from just about everybody that it was inessential, but it was really good. And so I decided, hey, fire it up. I love Jesse Pinkman. I want to return back to the Breaking Bad universe. I love Better Call Saul. Uh, this should be fun. And it's it's it was not. I did not like this movie mm. at all. It's not a bad movie. It's almost like what I said about The Irishman. Mm -hmm. It's not a bad movie. It's really well done. It's Vince Gilligan. He doesn't really make bad shit. But I didn't like it at all. Not only 
did I think it was inessential to continue Jesse's story. That last image of him from Breaking Bad is perfect. Mm Mm-hmm. Of him just with that unbridled fear, joy, like just cathartic thing. It it actively annoyed me that we were adding a coda onto this mm-hmm. uh, when it absolutely didn't have to be. By the end of it, I was just like, man, this this is so unnecessary that it's it's aggressively annoying me. Uh, so I would totally warn this. Did, did you enjoy it? I did. Yeah. Um, I saw it basically the day it came out yeah it's been out for a while um, so uh i i did like it because while i agree with you about the that final image of jesse and everything i think they told a story that um that is befitting of what w- would happen later and it does feel like a nice like continuation episode it's a one-off mm-hmm. um I enjoyed every bit of that, uh, that, uh, him getting, trying to, trying to figure out what he needs to do from here. Um, it does feel unnecessary. Though. Mm-hmm. There is an unnecessaryness to it. Uh, but, uh, the way they, the way he shoots things and the way he grabs you in the story, you, I, I think about what would this movie be like if he didn't have all these seasons of Breaking Bad before it and it was just this movie. Oh, that's an interesting um, thought exercise. Uh, uh, I I don't know if that's possible, but like, I mean, I'm sure there's people out there who've never seen Breaking Bad who have seen this movie uh, because uh, of the Netflix. Yeah. Because yeah. of the Netflix, thing. probably so. They just like, what is this? And just watched it. And uh, and I I'm trying to think if there's anything where you'd be necessarily lost because, well, they give you a lot of flashback. Yeah. Um, and it, it's so weird because Jesse Plemons revives his character in this mm-hmm. and it's, he was in Breaking Bad, I think the perfect amount. Now he's a terrific actor. I mm-hmm. love Jesse Plemons, but I think his character needed to be in small doses, like quiet, but deadly. Right. Um, and in this one, he's so overexposed that it, it like detracts, I think from his overall character mm-hmm. arc. Um, we got enough of that character. We got enough of all those characters. And you got, to uh, and, and one thing, and not that this is the movies, uh, there's anything that the movie was trying to do here, but you do get to see Robert Forrester one last time too. And he died, I think the day of this thing coming oh, out. Wow. Oh, that's, that's right. Right. that's right. Oh, wow. So you get to see Robert Forrester and I love that scene where Jesse too. goes in to talk to him. That seems fantastic. Yeah. Um, I'd actually forgotten that he was the fixer. Mm-hmm. And so you hear that voice, and mm-hmm. he's got that unmistakable Chicago type oh, yeah. of voice. And uh, you know, you you hear that he's he's off camera, and I'm like, oh, that's Robert Forster, yay, that's mm-hmm. awesome. Yeah, I just feel like uh, Dicer and I go round and round on this topic all the time, where I will say that movie's unnecessary, and he'll say, well, who cares as long as it's good? And that's generally the circle he and I dance around. And I guess I just feel like, man, maybe maybe not everybody's like me, but I feel like I feel like when you do this, you take from your original audience the ability slash right to imagine Jesse's future for themselves. Yeah. And it's almost the reverse of that Patton Oswald rant about the prequels. Mm-hmm. I don't want to see Darth Vader's ball sack or whatever it was. <laughs> I just want to see Darth Vader. I don't want to see I liked not knowing where Jesse went. Yes. I liked having the freedom as a viewer 
to decide that. Yes. I think he. I think this happened. I think that happened. The way I most recently explained it is, when you read a book, one of the things that's great about a book is that uh, no matter how much detail a book gives you, you can still picture things in your own head as you want to picture them. Mm -hmm. Not necessarily as the author would picture them or as another reader would picture them, but you get to fill in the gaps the book doesn't give you detail on visually mm -hmm. and i feel like when you make a movie or a tv show the same kind of thing happens when it ends yeah. you get to fill in the gaps like if return of the Jedi, the first trilogy of star wars was all we'd ever got well i think han goes on to marry leia and they're gonna have kids and one will be a jedi and you know you, then then they come around behind you and tell you what happens it takes away that story that you made up which in a lot of cases has been what's connected me more to the thing oh totally and you could argue, you know, the 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 finales that have missed the mark in general, Lost, Seinfeld, even stuff like that. Like maybe you could stand a course correction, like when they did the Curb Your Enthusiasm reunion thing, mm. which is much better than the Seinfeld finale. With this, you could argue that Breaking Bad's finale is one of the best, if not the best series finales of all time. Mm. Well, so it, it didn't need any course correction whatsoever. Well, famously, the the seven and a half potty. Potty Potter? Harry Potter movie ends <laughs> with that flash forward because she apparently thought every reader and viewer needed to know that <laughs> yeah. Harry married Jenny and then they named their kid fucking Albus whatever. Uh, Severus. Albus Severus. And, and I think even fans of the books were like, ah, I didn't really need all that. I like, well, Yeah, that's exactly what I was thinking. And I just feel like I can't blame Vince Gilligan. I can't blame no, he Aaron Paul. Yeah. Do what they you want, found man. a story they wanted to tell. That doesn't that doesn't mean I want to watch it. Yeah. Because once I watch it, I no longer get to predict Jesse's future. It's told there for me. And I feel like you make a deal with your audience when you show them, you know, a, a six season show or two and a half hour movie, and and then you you leave it with them when you're done to process and speculate. And this is I just <sighs> do you put this on par with what George Lucas did with the Star Wars movies? By no. making the special editions? Mm, oh. No. Because that that would be like if Vince Gilligan re-released episodes of Breaking Bad, but had new cuts or new edits or, or changed something. Or But in a way, I mean, the same argument is there where you have, um, this is the movie that I grew up with. Yeah. And now I'm adding things to it because I considered it incomplete, which is <laughs> bullshit, and um and uh, and everything. So it it felt like the same kind of deal. I know that it's not, um, uh, because in this case it's somebody just saying, "Well, here's an extra chapter of the book that I was writing, and you know, you I know that you loved how that finished and everything, but here's an extra one for you to read." And uh, I don't know where the I don't know what the where the line is on that one because uh, it, it's it's almost similar to what happened at the end of Doctor Sleep, um, or or the the shining sections of Doctor Sleep mm -hmm. that I didn't need rehashed at all. Yeah, uh, because it stands alone. Yeah, if you want to tell another story about Danny Torrance in a different context, all right, fine. But that's and I enjoyed that part of the movie. But when when they started talking more about the the shining story and things like that. I don't need that. I just feel like I, I honestly think this is probably because I'm a writer um, and I don't see myself ever doing this kind of thing. Like I've said famously several times, it's going to be four Abel's books. Mm -hmm. No more, 
no less. <laughs> and three is the number that shall count, and the number <laughs> of the counting shall maybe, be three. Maybe <laughs> ten years from now, something happens. Those books are more popular. Somebody gives me ten million dollars to write a fifth one, and I change my mind. <laughs> um, Five is right out. <laughs> I feel like somebody. I feel like Vince Gilligan called Aaron Paul and was like, "Dude, Netflix just offered me five million dollars to make a Breaking Bad movie. <laughs> Want to get the gang back together <laughs> for a month in the?" Desert, yep. okay, and I don't and blame they did it them in secret too. I don't blame them for that. I just feel like a proper story has a beginning, a middle, and an end. And if you don't ever let it end, or if you keep going back to rewrite the beginning, then you take something away from the experience of those people who first read or watched the story. I agree. That would be funny though. Fifteen years from now, Jeremy gets a truck to back up and like these <laughs> like millions of dollars or whatever, and then before you know it, we've got Abel's five horror <laughs> fister, you know. I also and again, maybe I'm crazy here, but I feel like if I have one thing that's a hit in any any medium, a TV show, a movie, a book, I believe I'm gonna have another one. I don't necessarily have to always keep going back to that one well. Yeah. Um, and maybe that's just foolish thinking. I don't know. J.K. Rowling doesn't need any money. No. She's got more money than God, mm -hmm. but she keeps making Harry Potter shit, and she keeps talking about Harry Potter shit. <laughs> like, she, almost like she doesn't want to she write could, anything new she or, could be yeah. she could be like she could do write anything she wants at this point yeah there that she's at yeah like you said so much money and everything you, you you're just like uh daniel radcliffe at this point where you know like i'm just gonna do stuff that's interesting to me because i've yeah. made all the money yep. and she's young she's relatively young mm -hmm. too yeah, yeah. so yeah. you know you can, like you you're relatively young. i'm relatively a spry 23 <laughs> mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. okay guys it is time to talk about movie yeah movie! baby um how do you say movie in french oh Le uh, Moubet. Yeah, yeah because there's a lot of french stuff I there, actually there just, is i actually just wrote a sin with french <laughs> really oh it's for well they're driving in mountains on a road that i would never ride on and i and they're not in america and i said in english this the name of this road translates to nope road but the french call it le no <laughs> <laughs> He totally wrote that in French. <laughs> um, so, yes, there are a lot of selections that are in French yeah. uh, on a movie right now. One is probably familiar to many of you. It's Luc Besson's La Femme Nikita. Yeah. La Femme Nikita. A movie that was remade as Point of No Return here in the U.S. with uh, Bridget Fonda. Uh, back in 1993 this one came out in 1990 i think mm. maybe 91 in the u.s but 1990 and i don't know if this was luke Besson's first movie i can't remember if it was or not but it's certainly it's one of the first or the first of his many like female assassin or female protagonist uh leads the action movie charge type of movies because he did the fifth element and of course he did joan of arc messenger the professional all, is the professional is ostensibly yeah yeah yeah. Uh, yeah and that came out after la femme nikita yeah right? mm -hmm. yeah that came out in 94 um uh of course he's done you know lucy and anna and all these movies <laughs> let's forget about yeah, that exactly <laughs> um but uh but yeah um this movie's really good yeah uh it's uh it's just one of those things like it's one of those movies that just sort of wraps you in you've seen this kind of movie um 
you know, like it's not it's not going to be anything new to you when if you revisit it now because mm-hmm. you've seen so many of these type of things. There's something about this one that's a little bit more elevated. Yeah, mm-hmm. I don't know what it is. I don't know what it is. It's I think it's more uh, focus on story than style and substance and style. Well, yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, and uh, and so it that's the thing that when imitators come along and they make their own. You know, even Luke Besson, mm-hmm. uh, yeah, yeah. they they like, oh, well, you like these elements to it, but they don't think about the story and everything. Mm-hmm. And this is one of those where you're watching, you're like, man, I'm really getting into this. I really care about this character yeah, yeah. and everything. And she's done some awful things. And, you know, <laughs> and uh, she's but, an assassin, right? Yeah. So, yep. yeah, she's uh, she is this uh, woman who ha- is a part of some gang that's uh, robbing a store and the police come and she like just cold-blooded murders this cop Hmm. um she's i think she's the only one left out of her gang after the shootout and everything uh she gets uh you know sent to jail she's going to she's going to get a death sentence and uh and uh so they so she believes that she's going to die and they're like injecting her and all that and so she wakes up however many days later or whatever in this just isolated room and uh from there she start they she's slowly learns that she is going to be getting all sorts of lessons in shooting and fighting and reading and writing and art and poetry <laughs> and ballet and all this stuff too and um and uh she is being trained to be an assassin and she gets uh she gets one job before she's allowed to leave the little institute thing that she she's in and then after that she's a sleeper cell so anytime someone calls her and says hey here's the job she goes to a place and finds all of her equipment and just you know blast some somebody over the code phrase is says the wildebeest howls at midnight yes <laughs> is it really no no <laughs> <laughs> it's been no. i've seen this but it's been forever since i've seen it oh yeah it's really good and it's on movie right now nice mm-hmm. nice speaking of genre no movies yeah um there's a movie on there called the crimson rivers mm-hmm. this is directed by matthew Kasovitz. yep what else do you know off the top of your head what he's he done? did gothica oh um, really he also is probably best known as the the guy that amelie falls in love with and Amelie. that's ah. right that's where i recognize so he's name. got an acting and directing resume i see yeah, yeah. so this was in 2000 and it's a story that takes place it's a crime story that takes place in the french alps and it's Jean Renault and Vincent Cassell. And it's such a weird movie. It's a good movie. Uh, and it was a blockbuster, really, in, in France when it came out. Like, it made a lot of money, a lot of franc, a lot of euros. <laughs> <laughs> Paper. <laughs> much franc. Much franc. Uh, but it's a, it's a murder mystery uh, with Jean Renault as the lead detective going to, to investigate this murder, this ritualistic killing. There's a lot of, like, uh, mysticism and stuff like that involved in this. Perceived mysticism. <laughs> and it's at this very unique town that Vincent Cassell is the uh, the junior detective that accidentally is himself into it as well. And it, it's it's like a French version of a combination of Seven and Girl with a Dragon Tattoo. Mm. Uh, and, and I mean that in the best way. There's some unusual parts in this movie, though. Mm-hmm. Like, there's a part because it's 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 methodical about how it builds this mystery and everything and it introduces the characters. And then in the middle of it, uh, Vincent Cassell gets into a kickboxing match with a bunch of Nazis. Nice. 
as you do. It does. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and there's, I mean, there's, there's just, there was a weirdness in this movie. And it's interesting because I think Vincent Casella said that this is, you know, his highest grossing French movie, at least. Mm-hmm. And he's like, I know how much was cut out of this, this movie. And I'm glad people like it. I don't really like it because I don't think you really know what's going on. If mm-hmm. you had shown it the way that, that, uh, that, uh, Matthew Kasovitz, uh, wanted it to be shown, mm-hmm. like, I think you would really, really like it even more. Cause I actually like this, but I could see what he means. I could see that there's stuff that, that, that is cut out that would give a little more context to it. And maybe in the service of letting him kick a bunch of Nazi ass. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and he, he's awesome at it. He's yeah. a very good fighter. Well, you know what might be Vincent Cassell's <laughs> highest grossing movie in the U.S.? Ocean's 12, right? Probably. <laughs> That's what I'm going to guess. Jeez. Maybe uh, that or Jason Bourne, but I guess Ocean's 12 probably made more than Jason Bourne. Yeah, I think Jason, so. Yeah, Jason Bourne, and then, jeez, uh, Black Swan wasn't like a blockbuster. Oh, it was. Um, was it really? Yeah. Um, I love the guy. And actually, these two leads are fantastic together, because Jean Renault, I was telling Chris, actually, he kind of plays the same character in every movie, like yeah. the, the quiet, like, badass, whether he's good or bad or whatever. But like I dig it, I'm I'm on board with it. And Cassell is a good bad boy type of dude. He's like the the French Justin Timberlake or something like that. You know, <laughs> isn't uh, isn't Jean Renault in in a movie with Christina Applegate where he comes from like 17th century France or something? Yes, yeah, <laughs> it's I forget what it's called. Oh man, it's, you know what I'm talking about? It's like Last Night or something. It like is that. like is it? like yeah, like the last night of. Oh, God. <laughs> just visiting just visiting there this you go movie ad is i get that confused with i get that confused with the hugh jackman uh coming under our time from 18th century london you know that movie yeah is that that's not kate and leopold that is kate and leopold, is kate and leopold. with meg ryan yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> those two movies should be the same movie that'd be awesome oh jason Bourne, i think is but it, it does have more money are you serious yeah that made more than oceans 12 162 domestic 415 worldwide and um the uh oceans 12 made 125 domestic 362 worldwide Whoa. so movie is awesome there's there's a huge variety uh, on there right now there's a japanese movie about female sumo wrestlers it's three hours long and that's the only thing that prevented me from watching it uh, but uh, no there's amazing amazing variety on there right now go to mubi.com slash cinemasins mubi.com slash cinemasins and you get 30 days a full month free and that's and that's an awesome deal yeah. You should do it. You should do it right now. Stop what you're doing because mm-hmm. I'm about to ruin yeah. <laughs> it. And, and go ahead and sign up for your movie at themovie.com. Not the movie. Drop the the. Yeah. Movie.com slash CinemaSins. Full month free. Boom. Okay. So I'm going to recommend. All right. A movie that's already been recommended multiple times, but I finally just saw The Big Short. Yeah. Ah, nice. Um, Which is uh, one Chris has been telling me to watch for three years now. It's been a long time. One yeah. best picture. No, uh, it was nominated. It did not win? No. Oh, the other one won. Best picture was Spotlight. Oh, Spotlight. Yeah. <laughs> so that was the year before La La Land and Moonlight. Mm-hmm. Correct. Okay. Uh, and Spotlight's great, too. Anyway, uh, so first and foremost, because Chris has praised this plenty, and I think Bear has praised it mm-hmm. before, um, Christian Bale is doing something in this movie I've never seen him do in terms of acting. Um, and Bale's always good, mm-hmm. uh, I think. Uh, but I've never seen him play someone with quite so many 
ticks. Yeah, quirks mm-hmm. and quirks. Right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and uh, he was riveting. Uh, Steve Carell's great. Uh, I think he's playing very similar to the character he played in Vice. Uh, but I was telling these guys uh, yesterday. I think the reason I love Big Short but didn't like Vice is that with the Big Short, I don't know these people. Uh, these people are not celebrities in any way. Mm. They're not government officials. I recognize. I don't know this story, and so. I liked being shown the story, whereas Big Short, I I knew most of that already. Or not Big Short, uh, Vice. I knew most of that already, mm-hmm. uh, and so maybe I didn't like having it fed to me by Spoon quite so much. But um, I was riveted. I think it's over two hours, um, and it's it's not boring. No, even no, no. though it should be. Um, <laughs> the topic, like. I watch it with my brother, his wife, and my wife, and none of us were lost. They do they do that Margot Robbie, Selena Gomez yeah, yeah, stuff yeah. to dumb it down for you. But even when they're not doing that, um, they're not speaking. Even when they're speaking in jargon, you know what they mean. Yeah, you know yeah. what they're talking yeah, yeah. about. These guys are all betting that this shit's going to tank and they're going to make money off of it. And what I especially appreciated was I was about 30 minutes from the end of the movie. And I was like, man, all these people are assholes. <laughs> <laughs> and then it, the movie actually does show almost all of them have some measure of regret about their part in this whole explosion of the economy, yeah. especially Steve Carell. Uh, he has several moments of almost doubt or concern. And I appreciated that the movie showed me that even though in real life, maybe these guys didn't have any of that. Uh, like from a viewer standpoint, I needed to see that they weren't like giddy. Because if it no, just he's been, emotional. He he breaks down. He does. Yeah. Well, he's also had his brother committed suicide. Yeah. Um. Anyway, I really, really dug it. Everything these guys have said is great. All the acting performances are great. It's funny. Uh. And yeah, if you didn't know what happened, this movie does a pretty good job explaining uh, how the economy crumbled in two thousand eight. For sure. Uh. And uh, just all the. I think I think like a lot of these uh, movies, like all the President's Men and everything, you may know like a a sliver of the story and you're like well that's bad but then you realize it's even worse than you thought it was especially in the way it gets into just g- general like uh, government entities and everything were trying to keep covering up for it each time yeah like they were like th- there was a point where that that number that uh whatever that number is that they're trying to get to go down and i can't remember what they call it in that but it's basically showing the housing market is just going and and, but they keep getting these entities to say oh well it's fine it's triple a or whatever yeah and um and they keep covering for it over and over and over again so meanwhile you have these guys who are hoping to profit from it going down they have a really horrible moral quandary during that thing because they're like this is supposed to go down this is you're doing illegal shit but at the same time, you're like, you're doing something that's going to capitalize on the misery of millions. Yeah. Well, and even when, when Christian Bale starts going around to the banks, the banks are eager to give him millions. Yeah. Because they want to make money and they think he's a moron. Right. And they're like, oh, we'll give you $30 million. You want to bet against the housing market? Yeah. Okay. <laughs> we'll give you as much as you want because they're all, they all see an easy payday. Who the hell doesn't pay the mortgage? Yeah, exactly. Uh, he goes out of that. I think it's Bank of America at the first one and he goes, he's like, he sees these cups and he's like, can I have these cups? Oh, yeah, sure. Take, take two of them if you want. Yeah. And uh, uh, Ryan Gosling is fantastic. 
fantastic. And he's the, fucking hilarious. I was watching this movie next to Barrett on a plane uh, from Chicago, and like, there's that scene. I can only imagine what it's like just looking over <laughs> and seeing the scene. But he's in that bathroom, and he's like, "Object to the tits! Object to the tits!" <laughs> and of course, he's got the subtitles on. So I'm, I'm like reading a magazine or something like that. I looked over, and he's like, "Object to the tits!" <laughs> Uh, yeah, that movie is great. I, I uh, uh, if we do a uh, best of the decade, which is a hint, oh, um, that will be in it for me probably. Um, so twenty fifteen, right? Is yeah, that what we said yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, but yeah, that movie's fantastic, and like I could, it's like there's, I think it's one of those where I could go scene by scene and tell you there's something great about yeah, it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so uh, the day Disney Plus came out, I went ahead and got it. Mm-hmm uh i i think i was resistant to it when i first heard about it and i was like uh, i essentially i got it because of this job i think yep. because i feel like i need to be on top of these these things although i don't know how far that's going to go i don't think apple tv is necessary <laughs> right now um doesn't sound like it yeah uh but I, I, I went through, I'm gonna, I'm gonna go through a little, uh, a smattering of things that I saw on Disney Plus. First off, I've been following The Mandalorian, mm -hmm. and I think that's a good show. Mm -hmm. I just that's, good? Yeah. I know. I, I mean, I'm not ready to just, you know, come all over it yet. But. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> Wiggly your hips, come on your lips, get ready. Uh, I personally haven't seen it, but I am ready to come on it. <laughs> I see baby Yoda and you're like, oh, okay. The only way I can get off anymore is if I have a picture. <laughs> you have to finish that. <laughs> I have a picture of Star Wars character on the uh, table. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> for sure. I get, uh, I get, uh, Obi-Wan mixed up in my solo play. Or do I get solo in my solo play? Um, so yeah, The Mandalorian is good and, 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 uh, the, the episodes are fairly self-contained. I mean, there is a, there is a, um, a thread of a story going on there, but it's more like, you know, like how, uh, Bruce Banner and in, in the old Hulk series is going from town to town uh -huh. or, or David Banner back then. Yeah, yeah. Uh, he's going from town to town and he gets in these, he gets caught up in these plots and everything. And that's when he has to turn to the Hulk and, you know, change Mandalorian is almost the same sort of deal because he's going place to place and everything. And yes, of course there is a, uh, maybe not so surprised character that I won't get into, even mm. though many people uh, probably already know. But so far, so good on that. When does that take place? Like, when is that set? It and is a few years after Return of the Jedi. Okay. And right. uh, yes, um, uh, it it it's disorienting a little bit where they where you're sitting there going, I don't know when this is, and they'll give you little hints, and you're like, okay, that's got to be after Jedi. But is it? Is it maybe possibly? I mean, you know, you don't know exactly how far into it. It seems like it's fairly recent after because they're still talking about cleanup on indoor mm. and all this type of stuff that's in there. So, so it's not explicit. It's not like two years later. Yeah, yeah. And and who knows? Maybe they have done some explicit thing and just haven't heard it or whatever. But uh, but so far, so good on that series. And I didn't really bring up Disney Plus to bring up that series necessarily. It's just that I have been watching it and I think it's good. Um, I watched the rookie based on Jeremy's. Yeah! <laughs> uh, 
uh jeremy's <laughs> recommendation uh and uh yeah i uh I, I it was just one of those movies that uh yes i love baseball and and uh i had heard of this i've heard about this guy who who pitched for the tampa bay devil rays at the time um but uh i had never seen the movie and i i enjoyed it quite uh, quite a bit nice yeah, yeah, it's yeah. not gonna it's not gonna win best picture but for a baseball lover who likes a, a decent sports movie mm-hmm. um there's something there's something about that scene when he finally comes out at the end to pitch uh in texas yeah before the tampa bay rays and his family's there and his little kids there and his fucking dad is there yeah right. And Brian Cox waits for him afterwards to talk to him about it. It's been so cold in their relationship. Yeah. Um, there's something magical. I don't, I don't even think that, I don't know. I don't think that's how it played. I don't think he was called in and he struck out somebody on three strikes. He, well, he did strike that guy out. That specifically that, I think it was Royce Clayton and it was on four pitches, not three. Okay. <laughs> uh, but, uh, that did happen actually. Um, now the movie, uh, is, I guess necessarily incomplete because it's not like this guy went on to have this illustrious career, right? Much like uh, a Rudy or somebody like that, you know, they have their moment in the sun and it's amazing. They even got this far and that's the story. But yeah, I mean, the guy ended up, I mean, I don't, I don't mean to say this to demean the guy, Mm -hmm. you know, because his story is amazing. I'm glad that he got his shot and everything, but he, he did, he was not, an effective pitcher for no he didn't last very long didn't last very long and uh and and what do you expect the guy was like 40 something when he finally got his debut yeah is that how old he was yes Yes. holy shit that's why i love when he goes to the open tryout because he basically promises he's a baseball coach uh who had a shot 20 years ago he he tells his kids if you if you win state or whatever uh i'll go try out for this other team or for the pros again or whatever and they fucking do it because well, I guess it's based on a true story, so they yeah, must have won so, some games. Well, yeah, see, he yeah he tells them they they notice that he can throw pretty hard, and he doesn't know how hard he can throw. Mm. He just thinks it's like, oh, well, it's hard for these kids, but not like you know major leakers or anything like that. And uh, they they're a terrible baseball team, and they suck and everything. And then like one day in practice. He, uh, one of the kids, Jay Hernandez yeah. plays, huh. uh, is, uh, is, suicide squads, Jay Hernandez. Exactly. Uh, <laughs> is, uh, is like, come on, coach. We want to see, we, if we're going to get good, we're going to have to see some real good pitching and everything. And you should do that and everything. So he's throwing them like these heaters and mm. everything. And we, they get instantly good. Yeah. They get instantly <laughs> good from that. It's one of those amazing things that happens in sports movies. Like if we, all we do is we can add the kid who's on the motorcycle. We mm. can be good. Um, but like, uh, yeah, the, he, he tells them after a loss, uh, you know, he's like, uh, I don't, I can't remember what the, what exactly gets them to this, but he's, he's, saying um he's saying you you guys are are not pursuing your dreams or something like yeah. that and they're like in some small texas town where nobody really pursues their dreams and uh he goes what about your dreams the kids saying to, to him and he's like and he's like i don't know what you're talking about and he's like you know he's like come on coach you throw like this incredible fastball and everything you had a chance way back when why don't you go and try out sometime so he says, "All right, I'll make a deal. If we may, if we win the state or whatever, the district or whatever, I'll go out and try out." So that's how that all happens. Yes, the the team suddenly gets amazingly good. <laughs> I'm assuming they're already good, probably, and uh, in real life, and uh, and then they uh, and then they win the district, 
And then he goes off and does this uh, the, open the, tryout. The Tampa Bay scout guy comes up to him after he throws pitches, and he's like, listen here. If I call the home office and tell them I got a 40-year-old prospect out here, I'm going to get laughed at. But if I call a home off, but if I don't call the home office and tell them I got a 92-mile-an-hour <laughs> fastball, I'm going to lose my job. Yeah. <laughs> All I'm saying is you might get a call on this. Yeah, and uh, uh, I think in real life, um, that that scout was not interested at all, but he told them about him and everything. And his fastball is 97, 98 or something like that. That's how hard he's throwing. Hmm. There is a good scene. I'm pretty sure it's Hollywood, but it's a good scene where he goes off to, uh, he's out in the middle of nowhere and it's one of those speed things uh, that, you know, that tell you, Hey, you're going too fast for this road and it means nothing. You just blow past it. You know, nobody mm-hmm. cares. Um, uh, he goes out and he throws this fastball and it's just, you know, every single fastball he throws has this sound every time he throws it. And, uh, it's like, it's like it shows 74 on that and he gets all dejected and everything. He walks past the sign to go get the ball and everything. And then this, these little lights pop up and it was really 94. Ah, yeah. It's a great moment. Yeah. So I really, I'm glad you watched it. Yeah. I am too. I had, uh, it's something that I kind of always wanted to watch, but, uh, now with Disney plus, I was able to watch it. I also, and I'm sorry to hog this whole little section here, but this is the Disney plus section. Sure. Uh, I also watched their original movie, Noel. Oh, with Anna Kendrick. Anna Kendrick and Bill Hader. I heard it was good. It's actually pretty good. All right. Is this a Christmas movie? It's a Christmas movie. She's like Santa's daughter? Yeah. She's Santa's daughter. Bill Hader is the Santa in waiting. Really? And, uh, they, so they live in the North Pole and like it starts off with like, uh, Santa Claus coming to, to their house and you think it's, oh, this is like every Santa, you know, every movie where kids are at home and they see Santa or whatever, but they're actually, that's actually their dad that's coming through and everything so the dad dies bill Hader is the the santa in waiting and everything but he's not very good at it huh and uh and uh and so there's these these elder elves or whatever who are a former board and they're like they think that only men can be santa claus and everything of course they do yeah. and meanwhile anna kendrick obviously has all the santa claus gifts like knows huh. knows people knows knows whether they're good by looking at them and knows all the languages of the world huh. all these type of things the movie is not great or anything it's your typical holiday feel good feel good movie hmm. but anna kendrick is just so charming and everything that she's in like she elevates these things that are like, you know, mid-level like nonsense to like something like, oh, this is approaching watchable. It's actually ends up being pretty good. I I'm watched the whole sure thing. That movie was originally going to have a theatrical release. And then when they started getting their Disney Plus plans gathered up, they decided to make that one of their tentpole mm-hmm. opening movies for Disney Plus. Makes sense. I've got Disney Plus. Mm-hmm. My mini rant is that none of my smart TVs have apps for Disney Plus. So while I've signed up for Disney Plus, I can only watch it on my computer. So wait, ah. okay. So here's here's a question for you. Your when you go to your apps thing, it gives you a a bunch of pre selected apps. So you have like YouTube, Netflix, mm-hmm. stuff like that. Do you have an app store? Do you? Mm-hmm. Have, that's how you get it. But I didn't see it in there. Maybe my TV's too old. I don't know. I hadn't. I don't know. I I would assume you can find it. Uh, I bought that TV downstairs and it did not have anything that just said Disney plus on it. And then I went to the app store and then I had to type in Disney plus all the way before it would actually even show that may up. Maybe what I didn't do. 
So I would I would try either Disney Plus with the sign or Disney Plus spelt out and see if that gets you. Because you know what I'm going to watch? Candle Shoe. Candle Shoe. The, the Jodie Foster, Foster movie I saw 30 times when I was a kid because it was so fucking wholesome. My mom didn't care if I watched it over and over and over again. But I don't know how old your TV is. That is very possible that your TV is too old to pick up something like that. But if it has an app store, usually it's upgrade, uh, updated. And like I know that I probably can't get it on some of these old uh, Blu-ray players that I have mm-hmm. that are internet connected because they don't really have an app store. Mm-hmm. Uh, maybe they do. I, I just never really looked into it, but uh, usually you can find that stuff. But yeah, that TV down there, I was like, oh, I guess it's not on there yet. And I went all the way. Wow. And finally got it. I definitely mm. didn't do that. Mm-hmm. So, mm. What do you got? I was going to go with negativity, but I'm going to bring in some positivity. All yeah. Right. All uh, right. Because there was, there was a series that I watched that I really could not wrap my head around why it was so popular. But last night, I watched a movie that I hadn't seen in a long time that just absolutely engrossed me black swan yeah Ooh. we've talked about black swan before uh darren aronofsky directing natalie portman who was nominated for the academy award she won for this mm-hmm. uh and uh and mila kunis barbara hershey plays her mom and winona ryder uh plays the uh winona ryder previous prima donna and uh mm-hmm. vincent cassell again yeah uh in in this role this movie is absolutely genius. Mm-hmm. And if you liked The Wrestler, this is, I think, the better version of The Wrestler, meaning that it's got the same camera movements. It's mm-hmm. got a lot of that kinetic over-the-shoulder type of things and everything, and it's got a lot of the choreography like The Wrestler did and and like the brutality of the mm-hmm. choreography and mm-hmm. stuff like that. I just think he hit a absolute grand slam with Black Swan. Uh, Natalie Portman is reliably great in whatever she does, mm-hmm. but this is like a whole new level. And yeah. Mila Kunis, Mila Kunis is sex personified mm-hmm. in this movie. Uh, this is an absolute recommend. So yeah, should, yeah. If you haven't watched this movie, you should go out and watch it. It's got a big old mind fuck uh, about you know what 80 percent of the way through it mm-hmm. and ends on a nice little note that that uh, you could interpret in a few different ways i think you could take uh, a lot of aronofsky's work maybe even most of it but certainly black swan the wrestler and ass to ass <laughs> <laughs> and you could requiem for a dream <laughs> requiem for a dream i couldn't think of the name of it <laughs> And, and say that each one of them is a portrait of uh, how far someone who can't let go of something is willing to go to keep hold of it. Yeah. Yeah. Because the Requiem for a Dream, it's basically about drugs and getting the drug fix. But uh, the wrestler, you know, he's been told, stop. It's going to yeah, kill you. Yeah. He cannot. Yeah. He can't stop. And then Black Swan is filled with these moments that show you the physical toll that ballet takes on people's bodies, whether it's, you know tearing off toenails or um and it's just sort of a borderline obsession that i don't think everyday people like you and me um live our lives with and so that's why i think he's such a fascinating filmmaker is that there are people like this all over yeah um oh you you could see it i bet you in fact uh, there was a moment you know this is like the the new york ballet this is the the big time and everything so getting the the lead spot in a company like this is like the ideal 
Um, and and there's a, a shot of all these ballet ballerinas like lining the hallways, stretching and getting ready to go to practice. Mm-hmm. Like they're getting ready to practice. Yeah. The, not even before a performance. And I was thinking at that moment, like he had to have gotten inside knowledge of this, of like how this works and what you have to do to prepare your body. There's all those great uh, shots of her taking perfectly new ballerina slippers, and fucking ballet them up. slippers, and fucking them up, like mm-hmm. tearing out the but inside. That, I think he did because them. her now husband, Benjamin Milliped, was the not only, I think, uh, an extra in that movie, but he was the ballet consultant. Oh, yeah. Uh, Natalie Portman's current husband was a ballet expert uh-huh. i'm sure he gave them lots of information yeah on how it really works yeah god it's it's so the real it's it's funny because the realism is there but it's such a head fuck of a movie yeah uh because you're going through and god damn natalie portman it starts with this virtuous portrait of a perfect ballerina yeah she does everything right she studies the techniques you can tell how weird her home life is she's meek she mm, does me you know, she lets her mom lord over her but the movie parallels her embracing the role of swan lake or the black swan the black swan yeah. yeah she has to do what she does to get to that performance and if you think about it in the mo- the context of the movie this may have been the greatest performance of all time because she becomes superwoman at that point mm-hmm. she combines her perfect technique with this Vincent Cassell is trying to get her to lose it on stage the way that the Mila Kunis character can. Yeah. Uh, but she's not nearly as precise as the other one. And it's just an absolute magical story. I forgot how much I adored this movie. Yeah, this uh, has an ending similar to Birdman, right? Uh, it's a little bit more clear than, more clear? than Birdman. Yeah, I yeah, think yeah. so. Well, yeah. yeah. I haven't seen Black Swan since it came out. So. Yeah, I hadn't either. Yeah, so yeah. What, so there, was, there wasn't there a debate as to whether she had died at the end? I think that's yes. There's no debate over whether she's got a maybe mortal injury. Yes, yes, yes. But whether she dies after the movie or not, I think, is left up. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, it's not like Emma Stone looking up into the sky. So it's, it is a lot more like The Wrestler then, because The Wrestler has that same kind of yeah, deal yeah. where you can decide whether or not he died at the end and everything. Unless they come out with The Wrestler 2 and tell you exactly what happened. Exactly. <laughs> you don't get to decide anything That's anymore. right. That's right. You might get to see him <laughs> go. El Wrestlerino. <laughs> yeah. What about a double prequel where the Mickey Rourke from The Wrestler dates Natalie Portman from Black Swan? No, that would not work. <laughs> Have I got your Aronofsky boner up right now? Sure. I mean, it's usually up. Why haven't you watched Mother yet? You need to watch Mother. Everything that anybody ever told me about that movie told me I would not enjoy it. Why? What? Really? Uh, yeah. I heard that it's uh, fucked up, confusing, and lots of biblical allegories. But you like... Do you, you don't... Huh? You like fucked up biblical allegories, right? I don't know about that. And you like Aronofsky. This is, I think Mother is maybe the most Aronofsky-esque movie that he's made since Pi. Have you seen The Fountain? Uh, yeah, I think The Fountain's such a weird movie because I think I like aspects of it, but I think he 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 missed the mark. I uh, think he I, was I he was shooting for a certain thing, and I dug that idea, but I don't think he executed it. Yeah, well. I'm not actively avoiding Mother. I just the the vibe I remember getting from even friends was that. You probably might not like this. I, I would love to hear what you think right. of it. I don't know. It'd be interesting to see what you thought, but I, I would be in that camp that thinks that you wouldn't like Mother. It's not like Midsummer, where there are things I will like, but there's enough that I will that will 
cringe me that people are like you don't want to watch it's not like that like i, I don't mean, think there's anything in mother that's gonna make y- yeah yeah there's there's about as much a uh, disturbing violence in mother as there is in midsummer i think uh, yeah i guess i don't but, but it's I don't all think in it's context. graphic though yeah well i mean at the end maybe but like i don't think to me because i am exactly like you when it comes to gore and gross stuff and shit like that i don't want to see that but in context things like midsummer and things like uh mother i i think are, are perfectly fine i'm so wrapped up into the story with both of those mm-hmm. so much that I'm I'm like whatever man. Hmm. Uh, hmm. Just, just, uh, trying to stumble around and figure out what Vincent Cassell's best biggest movie was. Black Swan made made 106 million domestic, so it was its third That's, in that list, and wow. then it made 329 million worldwide. If anybody wanted to be like really stickler about it, he was a voice in Shrek, which would really technically be the number one, but we're not going to count that. We're not counting that. Yeah. Well, he's... But there's going to be some, you know, if, if, if this were an actual debate that people cared about, <laughs> uh, there would be some asshole out there that'd be like, he was an, he was a voice in Shrek. I what was think... he, Robin Hood and, and Shrek? Well, he's like one of the princes or something. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, I actually can't remember. I think uh, one of the greatest lost to time movies we'll never see was when Aronofsky was going to do Batman Year One. Because no I think kidding. if you take that wrestler Black Swan Aronofsky, who is so good at showing the brutality of things and obsession, and you put that into Batman and Bruce Wayne, yeah, that could have been fucking rad. Yeah. Yeah, I'm still geeked about Matt Reeves' Batman, but I'm just saying that's one lost of time. Like yeah. I don't miss the Jude Law, Colin Farrell Justice League that they talked about for a year and a half. Yeah, I don't miss that. That would probably have been ass. <laughs> but Aronofsky doing Batman Year One, yeah. that would have been pretty. Yeah. Rad. I think that would have been pretty badass. Yeah. 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 Uh, yes, and uh, Cassell played Monsieur Hood. Monsieur Hood. Oh, so it is Robin Hood. Yeah. Yeah, he's French as fuck. Yeah, he is. Um, do we want to go ahead and do some questions? Let's do some questions. Oh, the truth. Question. Question. I got something to say. I want the truth. I am listening. Uh... <laughs> <laughs> my heart wasn't you, in it you just casually want the truth <laughs> I, I sort of want some facts uh i'm gonna start with the fun one here and this person gave us a list who is your favorite tv slash movie bad guy ever and the selections that this person gave us were tony soprano dexter morgan walter white omar little never seen the wire still sorry uh, Tony Montana. See, I thought this was your list. And so when I got to Omar Little, I was like, is Barrett going to pretend like he's fucking seen The Wire when no. he hasn't? <laughs> no, it's not my list. Uh, Michael Corleone, <clears throat> Hannibal Lecter, Kaiser Soze, or other. Why don't you just take them all there, question asker? <laughs> took all the good answers. Well, I actually confined my answer to this list because if you do allow, and, and not to say whatever you guys want to do, but uh, to let the mind wander... You've got a million different uh, TV movie villains that you mm-hmm. can choose from. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. what do you guys think? I went old school. Uh-huh. Old school. Child of the uh, 80s here. Uh-huh. So my first, the first villain I thought of was Murdoch from MacGyver. Oh, Dude, Murdoch. I love that answer so much. I loved that character. <laughs> now, Murdoch was, for the reason I love Murdoch, he was straight up fucking insane. Yes. Uh, world's best hitman. <clears throat> Play the piano. Favorite weapons were bazookas and RPGs. <laughs> he was a master booby trap maker. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. He always showed up at least once per season. And he always died at the end of his episode. <laughs> and then the next season, his reveal to still be alive would be this big shot. He was also cross-dressing a lot, his master of disguises. Yeah, 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 yeah. 
straight up insane villain, <laughs> and I loved it. When, now I was I was allowed to watch MacGyver because my uncle, God bless him, told my parents, "Hey, we watch this show, MacGyver. He doesn't use guns. Oh, Whenever yeah. he punches somebody, it hurts like he breaks his yeah, hand." Yeah. And so my mom was like, "That sounds wholesome," and it was. <laughs> yeah, um, I mean, it relatively was. So sure. I was allowed to watch it. Lots of math and science used by MacGyver, and he didn't like guns, didn't use guns, uh, but every time. Murdoch would show up. I would be like, "Yeah, boy!" <laughs> um, the other one, same, same era, was Knight Rider. There were yeah. two foes that I loved: Car, K A R R. He was like Kit. You remember Kit? That's Michael Knight's car. Talks to him, but also has like adamantium shell or whatever. He's basically <laughs> indestructible. That's why he can go through concrete walls. And yeah, shit. Yeah, yeah. Car, evil twin, yeah. evil twin of Kit. And there's there actually is a show where they ram into each other head to head. Then Goliath. Goliath was a semi truck made of the same kit adamantium whatever bullshit. <laughs> and they had a head to head face off too. And he explodes Kit into millions of little pieces so that RC has to come back and rebuild Kit. And that final season, that's where Kit has all those fins that come out of all over the place. When they hit the C button, he goes convertible and he got like racing spoils and whatnot. Wow. <laughs> I never watched Knight Rider. So this oh, is all man. new. Are they autonomous? Like, does does Kit require Hasselhoff to rev him to, to get him going? Oh, no. Oh, no. Hasselhoff can talk into his watch and say, Kit, I need you, buddy. And then Kit will mind of his break own. through. Oh, yeah. He'll break through the walls. He'll go how fast as he needs to. He'll do zero turn radius, whatever, and pick up Michael, and then he go off. And then uh, there is a bad Michael Kit, evil Michael, evil, evil Michael Knight, uh -huh. who was with Carr. He was like an evil twin, I think. Of but they don't need. So Hoff needs Kit more than Kit needs Hoff. Exactly. But okay. Kit, Kit also cannot walk into a building and interview suspects. <laughs> It's very true. So, it's very true. The, the need for Michael Knight was pretty strong there. Mm. You know, Kit can't you know go into the police station. Things like this. Um, it's just like nudging up to the door. Uh, sir, can you come out? I had other answers, but I'm going to stick with those two because they're both right in my childhood. And uh, yeah, I just love whenever they would show up. I love those old recurring once a season bad guys. Uh. Well, like Q on Next Generation. Uh, yeah, he would show up once a season. I didn't like him quite as much, though. But anyway, yeah, I saw. I just looked uh, up. He was uh, Murdoch was nine episodes of MacGyver. Yeah. yeah, yeah, and I think there was only like seven or eight seasons. So yeah, he was almost once a season. Yeah, I loved MacGyver. Oh, I, me, that me was too. that was my fucking jam. Me too. Growing up, that was one of my must see. Like, mm. I guess I think it was Friday nights. I it? haven't watched any I, of the new MacGyver. I watched the hell out of MacGyver, and I couldn't tell you one episode. Yeah, that's I can just a, see not, images, basically. Fair. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's fair. Yeah. Uh, I'm probably in the same boat. I remember one time, the only one I remember vividly was he had never played billiards before, and it was some kind of life or death billiards game, as you find yourself in, <laughs> and he used physics, his knowledge of physics, to know where to hit the ball and how it would spin, and he totally killed that other guy in billiards. Yeah. Yeah. What was his deal? It was, was is, he like an astrophysicist or something like that? I don't know. He was like a science whiz he's I like don't a, know. I don't know. Bill Nye the science guy only more athletic yeah they would always throw him in some storage place <laughs> where there was stuff to fuck around with I was yeah. like at this point at some point don't you just kill the guy you know you've yeah. been able to escape out of everything <laughs> it's the same with the old Batman show yeah like why you always got to put him in a trap with a saw <laughs> why can't you just fucking shoot his ass um 
you know, uh, I, I would, I would probably normally go off the script here. There's a few others where it's like Darth Vader would be a good one, mm-hmm. uh, just because of his arc is is so is so well well made and everything. But I'm gonna go on the list and just say Walter White because mm. because um, there's very few villains that you can point to where that guy was essentially the good guy. And he was only doing the things that he was doing for his family. And then as the seasons went on, he realized how good he was at the things that he was doing and didn't want it to stop anymore. And that he was doing it for the wrong reasons by about season two or three, maybe. But you're still rooting for him at that point, You're still rooting for him until he gets to the point where he is just actively murdering people and everything. Uh, And you see his full... Uh, transformation i mean it's what's in the title right uh you see his full transformation from good guy guy who guy who is uh passionate about teaching science to high school kids to drug overlord who's Mm. like way smarter than your you know than your average drug overlord and everything gets to the point where he is a he's a, a kingpin of this whole thing and and yeah, you get to the point where you're actually actively hoping he gets caught because he is such a foul person by the time it gets to, to the last season. Uh, when Hank is going on, is on his trail and everything, you really do hope that he, he gets him. I guess so. You know, the, the show, I, I, the only time I didn't root for him is when, and, and it was the show's intent, I'm sure, is when he was so brutal to Jesse in the Ozymandias episode. Mm-hmm um because you could still see scraps of good in him when he threw the investigators off the scent and everything when he called skyler but the the show always did a good job of setting up somebody that was even worse than him even in the later seasons he had gus and then he had the white supremacists and all that stuff so it's like oh man walter's an asshole but at least he's not that bad right So I think I think there was still a measure of I think he balance is clearly that bad yeah. by the by the end of that show. He's clearly as bad as Gus uh by the end of that. By the show. very end, yeah, absolutely. Um, sure. Um and uh and there's a it, it was a weird thing for me because for the longest time you sat there and go I hope Hank doesn't find out. And then when he does, there's some sort of catharsis that comes comes along with that. It's one of my favorite little reveals at the end of a season is him looking through that walt whitman thing yeah. at the end and uh finally putting it together and it leaves you there for however long it was yeah, it was, like, it was a, like six fucking months yeah <laughs> and uh and you know um and then he knows and then by the time it's that whole like you know uh if you if you really believe that you should tread carefully and all mm-hmm. that type of that's where you're like okay this motherfucker needs to go down I know, I know that a lot for a lot of people know they just kept wanting to Walt to commit com- crimes and just continue uh, getting away with it. But but it was that that point I was like, fuck him. That's interesting. I I actually never did. The show was just playing with my emotions the right way or the way that I imagined it to where I was like, how is he going to get away with this now? Mm-hmm. Uh, because I'm fully on board with. You know, the only time he kills people is to get out of something, you know, that kind of thing. And, you know, he's not really harming people by making the drugs. He's not even really making the drugs anymore at the end of the show. But it was really all the way up until that that shit with uh, with Jesse at the the penultimate episode mm-hmm. that I was still on board with him. I was like, man, I, I, I want to see how he gets out of this. And then when he's he's pinned down with Hank and, and all that stuff. 
uh, you know, I was genuinely saying like, well, I'm sure they're going to write the way out of it. I mean, we, we as viewers allow a lot of shit, uh, Walt does for a long mm-hmm. time. And I, I, I let it go for several, <laughs> I mean, many seasons by the, by that last season, I was like, I was, I was happy to be against him for a while. And yes, he has this one moment of goodness towards the end and mm. everything that redeems his character. <laughs> yeah, but it is kind of fun. Not fun. It is. I found it satisfactory as a viewer to see him shivering his ass off in that cold little shack with no belongings <laughs> and no friends. Like that's that kind of what he deserved. I think maybe even more than death. Yeah. But they did his, they did his break to bad. So incrementally, um that you know like season four you're like well he poisoned a kid but <laughs> yeah, I know, I know. <laughs> i'm saying if you ever stood back from this show you would realize man i shouldn't like this guy at all um yeah some of the effect actually is undoubtedly that I saw this way after the fact, and I benched it all the way through, so I didn't have those moments of reflection to say, like, mm. to say, like, man, he poisoned a kid. Because I'd just go on to the next episode and be like, oh, what's he gonna do next? <laughs> you talking about him uh, growing, uh, breaking bad so gradually reminds me of that Simpsons thing where Marge is like, I think they're in the future, and Marge is like, Fox turned into a hardcore sex channel so gradually, I didn't even realize. <laughs> you just hear, I think you can hear like a grunt or something. <laughs> Oh, man. Uh, I, I also uh, stuck to this li- stuck to this list. Uh, and well, I've already talked about how Michael Corleone, I think, is just a horrible person yeah. all the way through. And there's another guy you can sort of see an arc from good guy. You don't get to see much of his heroism mm. or anything like that. Uh, because you, even from the opening scenes, he's you can see that evil like, yeah. growing and everything. But he also has sort of an arc where you're like, okay, yeah, it, it didn't seem like he's that bad of a guy. And then suddenly by the end of it, he's like, oh, shit, this yeah. guy, this is for real. Yeah, for real. And so my, my pick would be Tony Soprano because his arc is, I think, almost entirely internal because he's already at the top of the food chain pretty much at the beginning of the, the series. He's a he's a captain um, and he's only under... I think Jackie and Uncle Junior. And so basically he runs his group. He runs his unit. He runs his unit. And then, you know, after uh, Jackie dies, then he gets promoted to whatever it is, street boss or whatever it is. And it, and that's the whole dynamic where he puts Junior in charge. So he takes the whole thing. But, but the, the arc over the seasons is him coming to know who he is, what he is, what his impact is. And, and through facilitated uh, by the Lorraine Bracco character, and it's so interesting for it's not a transformation. It's a transformation mentally, but not actively like he at the end of it. You could say that he's a family man, like he loves his family. He's comfortable with his family. He's comfortable with where he is in life. Uh, but nothing really changes on the outside except for a bunch of people died. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, mm-hmm. that's a series that I would want to go back and watch from the very beginning again. Mm-hmm. Have you guys seen it more than once? Yep. Yeah. Uh, I've seen the entire series and I've probably seen other episodes more than once, but mm. I haven't seen the entire series more than once. That's another one that I was late to the party on and it took several tries. Same thing will happen with well, the wire. I'm I, sure. I had a weird, cause the way Sopranos, uh, uh, aired, I saw it when it first came on cause that was 99 when it first came on and I had HBO and everything. And then I didn't have HBO for a while and missed two or three seasons. Mm-hmm. 
uh and then suddenly had it back again and then they had these like long hiatus like two years sometimes yeah 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 uh like i don't think the series ended until 2008 but it only had six seasons or something like that so uh but yeah um yeah i've seen several episodes a few times but not the whole thing another perfect series finale too i think so yeah i think so too and uh, i've run into people who hate it but just from the abruptness yeah they want to know they want to have the they want to have the 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 tied up in a bow ending well i hope i hope david chase doesn't do an el camino thing once he's gone there's no reason for us to be there anymore as the viewer right right because he's always been our window into this world and so if you're gonna spoilers if you're gonna kill him in the finale i feel like this is the only way you could do it and do it justice if you pull back from that perspective and show us him being shot and mm-hmm. or the aftermath or what ha- then you have sort of cheated your own show i think i, I think feel, it's brilliant do you do you have like a, a a pretty good feeling that he dies at the end of it absolutely yeah in, in my mind there has never been a question now granted there's enough question in other people's minds that i have to remain open to mm. it but it always seemed pretty obvious to me there's even a fucking episode four episodes before that where he's fishing with bobby whatever mm-hmm. his name is mm-hmm. and they talk about what what do you think happens when they get you when yeah. do you mm-hmm. think you see it coming or do you think you just everything just goes black that's fucking foreshadowing people yeah, yeah. that's what it's called and so yeah i think somebody came from behind him and shot him and his family probably went into pandemonium and blood all over him but that's not the story we're telling and i oh, yeah. um I think David Chase has even come out and said it's I think it's obvious what happens, yeah. but I'm not gonna tell you what it is. Exactly. Um but uh yeah, uh that that's uh that that was uh, I think that ending was ruined for me. That was one of the uh, few times where like uh, a a show has been ruined for me. I mean not ruined. I still like You didn't the, see it at the time? I didn't, no, I didn't see it at the time. It's two thousand eight I didn't have HBO. Um but that was one of those things where everybody was saying it just goes black and um i was like oh okay so now i wasn't surprised at all i mean it's still i've seen that episode probably three times or Mm -hmm. whatever it's still shocking when it happens yeah uh it's one of those that's so good and so well executed that uh you think you know when the black is going to show up (laughs) but it's it, it i mean i know now exactly what shot it is but like you know if you revisit it a lot of times it's like oh 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 yeah that's right and that was a thing too like uh, people thought there was something wrong with their cable and they called yep. cable companies and yeah i was i didn't call the, the company but i i totally thought that my cable had gone out mm-hmm. and i was like and i did the classic reaction of like fuck yeah yeah, yeah. did and you watch it in real time or like at the time no, i watched it in real time I watched it in real time, and I, I'm pretty sure I went, what the hell? <laughs> but I didn't think my cable was broken. Uh, yeah, yeah, they yeah, spent, yeah. I mean, that last scene in that diner is interminable. Like, they spent so fucking long, Meadow trying to fucking parallel park for <laughs> yeah. five minutes, and it just it feels like an ending, mm-hmm. even before it ends, mm-hmm. because it's it's building up this sense of dread. I think it's brilliant. Oh, this is one that we've had for a while that I really wanted to get to. What are some great movie scenes that are enhanced by the absence of musical score? Uh, an example of this person uh, that says is the the shootout scene in Heat. I actually didn't realize because there's so much ambient noise mm-hmm. going on in that scene. I didn't realize that there was no score in that. I haven't seen Heat in a while. I know that there's that uh, that one uh, when they start the robbery that doom, 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 mm-hmm. doom, doom, 
I don't know if that's still going on even during that the, the thing that he says is silent here. Like maybe just very faint mm-hmm. underneath, but maybe it is just completely gone by the point the the shootout scene, which is a fucking excellent scene. Yeah, it sure. is. Yep. Um, yep. I'm going to go with when uh, Hal rips off uh, Frank's oxygen hose and shoots him in the space in uh, 2001. Mm. Uh, there's something about that because he's. Uh, uh, you know he's out there he's working on that thing and then you see that like that that cut zoom of how and mm-hmm. then suddenly you just see you just see dude just flying out <laughs> you know in and everything and without music it's it's so perfect yeah it yeah. just it makes your makes your stomach drop the way it, the way it happens and everything you're like oh no that dude's fucked yeah <laughs> is is he dead at that point no no he's no. just gonna die eventually yeah That's he will eventually die um because he does he cut off the hose because i know that bowman goes to to get him and yeah, that's the whole i, I mean, can't let you in yeah we've we've made sins before that it's instant death when you you know whatever but uh but you have a certain amount of time before you die i mean yes a lot of the things that we see the you know in movies where they are out in space and they're exposed to the elements that's what happens but it takes a little while maybe uh. not maybe not like you know maybe it takes maybe a minute or two or mm. something like that because apparently they've had simulations where they've had the effects of space on these simulators or whatever and people have like accidentally been cut off and they've had to go and save them and as long as they're able to get them but in time they're they're usually okay but yeah it's just eventually he's gonna die yeah and I, i guess he's got air in the suit even though it may be leaking out of the hose yeah he'll live as long as that air stays and then then he'll either freeze to death or I would rather a thousand sharks bite me to death one nibble at a time than die that way. (laughs) (laughs) Fucking out in space, (laughs) looking at Earth from out there going, this is it for me. Yeah, it's not a bad it's not a bad way to go. I would hate it. You're out there. You're in outer space. You're in the universe. I would probably die of a panic attack before I died of the elements. (laughs) (laughs) That's true. That's true. I just always thought it was weird that that Dave goes after him like I mean, it doesn't it's not instant. Like it takes him a while to suit up and yeah. get get in the the pod and all that mm-hmm. shit and get out to him. I was like, I mean, I guess you don't want to leave his body out there, but like you don't think you're going to save him, are you? Yeah. But you also have to for the story, you have to get him off of the the ship. Yep. Uh, uh, I love that movie. Similarly, mm-hmm. there's a, a scene in The Departed when they throw Captain Queenan off the roof that it's just him and it's you can I think all you hear is like a a bird calling or something like that as he's flying out of the building. <laughs> you know, you know what I'm talking about. I know, right? yeah, that's when uh, Leo's down there or somebody no, the other guy's down there smoking a cigarette, right? Yeah, well, Leo is is walking to the place. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then just suddenly just yeah. splats <laughs> in front of him and everything. But uh, that's one of those things where you, you there's a lot of hubbub on the roof and everything. And Queenan is being very defiant. And then suddenly all you see is just him, his body just flying off of yeah, this thing. Yeah. And uh, and it's very effective because there is no music and everything. So yeah. which is odd for a Scorsese movie. Like he's you always I know. See him peppering with like classic Rolling Stones music or something like that. Yeah. I, uh, ever since I talked about squelching in the book smart, mm. um, mm-hmm. every time Dicer runs into that word on the captions, he sends it to me. <laughs> 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 Apparently, there's some squelching in the lighthouse <clears throat> because oh, he really? sent me a black mm. and white still of Robert Pattinson and the, te- <laughs> the subtitle said squelching and he, Dicer said, thinking of you. <laughs> <laughs> oh my. Is he squelching Willem Dafoe? 
I don't know what he's squelching. I don't remember what the squelching would be in the lighthouse. Might be literal taking your foot out of the mud, which is where the <laughs> word comes from. Uh, That's yeah. a movie I can't yeah. wait to see with subtitles. Yeah, oh, I bet. Yeah, yeah. I bet there's yeah. a lot of mumbling in that oh, movie. Oh, my God, dude. Willem Dafoe's doing a thing. Um, <laughs> you know, uh, Pattinson is, is, is fairly understandable, but it was just the way... I don't know if it was, you know, the theater sound or whatever, but, man, I was like, like having to hang on to every word <laughs> trying to you know, decipher what's being said um i wanted to go i'm gonna give you two answers i wanted to go with the the hotel assault in no country for old men mm-hmm. where the grunts and the shotgun blasts the rifle blasts and that fucking weapon anton Chigurh uses but mm. like it's all punctuated by there not being any score even his footstep when he's running out the street to try and get around the corner but the real answer i want to give uh is the town uh specifically the big shootout at the end at, at fenway park where they robbed the money they've changed from cops into emt outfits and they're about to leave and then they look outside and they see every cop in boston is out there waiting on them and it turns into a shootout as the swat team creeps up on them but uh midway through the shootout they someone throws a flashbang through mm-hmm. the the garage door and you hear one of the good guys one of affleck's crew go i think it's affleck cover yeah, yeah. your ears cover your ears and they cover their ears and the flashbang goes off and not just the score everything about the movie goes silent i got you everything yeah, 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 yeah. as though the viewer has just been fucking flashbang mm-hmm. and it's amazing because there's like three seconds of lingering and then that idiot kid stands up and you hear jeremy renner go no and then the sound comes back and he gets popped and it's just i love that the absence of sound was used to show you what you would have heard if you'd been on set like if you'd been in the in the actual movie and that flashbang went off all you would hear is that slight yeah anyway back. i love man I, I caught the end of that uh fairly recently actually and one of my favorite moments is when renner just refuses to go down oh yeah he could have he could have escaped in certain ways he could have laid low for a while he could have turned himself in or anything like that. he's just like Fuck it. No John, way. At the end, he's behind behind by a mailbox, and John Hamm goes, Coughlin, throw down your weapon. And he goes, fuck you. Yeah. <laughs> and then he takes a drink he of that like, drink of thing off of the, the street. Trash and he's like, fuck it. Here we go. <laughs> God damn, it's so good. I'll tell you what's really good is uh, I caught Atomic Blonde again recently. Ooh. Now, that movie is not a great movie, but it's got some really good parts in it. And the fight that she has... I think it's a one shot. Yeah, yeah. All the way through this apartment building. I, I do think it's one of those uh they they hide the cuts, yeah. but yeah. It's amazing. And mm-hmm. there's no score. And it's it's amazing because a it's a woman. You only usually see this with like Jason Bourne or something like that. There's a great scene with Jason Bourne and Dash versus mm-hmm. Dash with no score. But she is it it's filmed so brutally that the choreography is just absolutely genius and she's she's going through and, and and it's not like punching people in the face and in the in the stomach and stuff like that they're trying different ways they're clawing eyes they're ripping noses like they're pulling ears they're they're punching crotches and shit like that they're kicking however they can it's a life or death thing and she fights off like fucking 10 of these motherfuckers mm. and they're not going down easily either <clears throat> And there's no score at all, and it absolutely murders me. It's such a good scene. Watching that entire movie is worth just that scene, Mm -hmm. and also for the nudity. (laughs) Right, yeah. And she'd be naked in that movie. Mm -hmm. That was the movie where I realized, like, Charlize being in a tub of some kind was a thing. 
Because it's like that, I think I even wrote a sin for that movie. Where I was like, "This is like the fourth movie where she's in a tub." Mm-hmm. Yeah. As in that like Snow, White. Snow White and the Huntsman, she's in a tub full of milk. Well, there's, I found I went and found a couple other ones too, uh, but it's a thing. Like, yeah, yeah, coming yeah, out of and the tub. she's definitely in a, a pool in Reindeer Games. That's true. That's true. <laughs> not not a, not a, not the same deal, but she's in water and she's on a bed in um, Two Days in the Valley. Yeah, she is. She's on a bed. Let's just start naming things. That's right. And she was on a church and view <laughs> and the devil's advocate. She's crossing a street in trial and error. <laughs> so it's been a little while, but uh, I think we should probably recognize some of our sinflowers on our Patreon. Yeah, Ooh. man. These are the members, the partners, the 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 collaborators. They're members yeah. uh, that uh, that work to support us, and we really, really appreciate them. These are at our tier that is the, the perks of being a Sinflower. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. You get all kinds of cool perks from doing that. You get uh, registration for Sin Week 2020, which is coming up in March. Uh, but one of the perks is getting shouted out on the podcast, so we wanted to do that now. Uh, so thank you to Amanda Vieira, Darren Watson, Dexter Hansen, Evan Luckin, Greg Routine. Routine, Routen, <laughs> Isaac Horvat, Jacob Martindale, Jeff Widman, John, John, just John. There's a guy named John. There's a guy named Jonathan, Ooh. Joseph Davis, Joshua Looper, Karen Kay, Luis Zinner, Madison Wilson, Marvin Castro, uh, Michael Acton, Michael McGinnis, Morgan Greenwalt, Scott Bachelor. Uh, Will Fendrick and Will Costick. Thank you guys so much. We love Yay! you. We should make a song. We should write a song about the Sinflowers. And Amanda, Darren, Dexter, Evan, Greg, and Isaac, Jacob. I meant like a good song. Uh, not yeah. like the not like the Big Mac song with people's names in it. No, I meant something not bullshit, Eric. <laughs> Anyway, thank you guys. Love you. Yeah. So, uh, and, uh, many of those I recognize from the first sin. We, do, we have a few different ones in we there do. too. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, so, uh, yeah, that'll be, a, that'll be a fun sin week for sure. I agree. Um, all right. That'll do it for this week. Uh, keep going to Sincast presented by Cinema Sins on Facebook. We're also on SoundCloud. We're on Reddit. We're on Cinema Sins Twitter. Uh, music video since Twitter, uh, Discord. If you want to get on Discord, there's a link on the right side of the Reddit page, or you can go to the Facebook page and ask for a link in the private messages. So yeah, that'll do it for this week. That's Chris right. Atkins and Jeremy Scott and Barrett Share. We'll see you next time. Thanks for listening. Comment on our episodes on our SoundCloud page. Check us out on YouTube, Twitter, Facebook, and Reddit. And be sure to visit cinemasends.com. Remember when they tried to deliver my grill to Alabama? (laughs) Well, they made it all the way to Alabama, didn't they? They did. They were there at somebody's house. Somebody was like, oh, I guess we're not getting a free grill. (laughs) Two Buck Chuck was my uh, nickname when I used to rodeo. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Rodeo. I'd make it it two bucks, and then I was off. Did your your brother Good Luck go around uh, dating women who would get married afterwards? Yes, he did. Mm Mm-hmm. Did you see the? Did you ever go back and watch the American Music Award uh, performances? No, I the, saw Taylor. Swift. Well, I did go back, but at the time they hadn't posted to YouTube. Did you see the Billie Eilish? All the girl, good girls go to hell. No. Was First it good? of all, that's my favorite song of hers by far. 
and it's the newest one that I'm yeah, aware yeah. of. Yeah. And there's it's a, a section, uh, like two thirds of the way through the song where she finishes the chorus and the music is like, doom, doom, yeah, yeah. And it does it three times, and on stage, she does this twirly thing where she like says the line, and then she's like, doom, doom, <laughs> and it just works so perfect. I've watched that live performance like five times. I gotta check it out just because I'm starting to think she might be a great live show. Whereas I used to think like she's a whisper singer. How yeah, can yeah. her show ever be great? But I think she. I think she. How does it work? I mean, I, I've listened to that uh, XM thing. Mm-hmm. I don't know how she gets that quality of sound because she's not like raising her voice. She's just making it work. Like mm-hmm. she, I guess she's just right up in there. Either that, or she's got got a, that mic cranked. Or she may have a. Well, she doesn't sound like she's got a backing track. No, it doesn't. Because it sounds tiny, tiny imperfections. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Yeah, and that live show that was on XM didn't sound like she was doing anything special either. Yeah. She just sings that way. <laughs> That's how I sang. Yeah. I don't know why this just reminded me of that girl in Forgetting Sarah Marshall when he's banging everybody he can in the beginning. <laughs> and it's that, that uh, really hot girl. And she's like, um, oh, oh, I just came. <laughs> <laughs> Montage is so fucking great, man. I use that for outtakes and music video sends all the time, oh, by the man. way. It's a great little scene. You have, to, you have to really chop it up, though, because it's the, oh, Oh, <laughs> have you seen the the extended version? There's another girl. There's a yeah. whole other girl that he sleeps with in the extended it's version. Got the one where she's like, "Hi." Yeah. <laughs> that one's in the regular, and he's like, "Hi, hi, hi." He's like, "Could you not talk?" This <laughs> is you can gag me or something like that. Yeah, that's what she says. Well, the funny thing is, is that do you, do you want to gag me? And he's, he's like, like well, yeah. now, yeah, kind of." <laughs> It's hilarious that he just plows through fucking Los Angeles, too. Because, mm-hmm. I mean, he's not like the guy that you would think no. would plow through Los right. Angeles. No. But he's like, I need to be my L on somebody's face. <laughs> <laughs> you don't need to put your P in a V right now. <laughs> you both are very attractive. I think having sex with either one of you would be a real treat. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. it's one. I have like nine movies I bought. On Amazon Prime over the last three years, that are just rewatchable as fuck. And yeah. every night I put one of them on, like uh, Horrible Bosses Two, <laughs> Talented Mr. Ripley, Martian Extended Edition, Forgetting Sarah Marshall, uh, A Simple Plan, um, Vacation with Ed Helms. <laughs> <laughs> um, but every night I put one of those on just as background noise while I'm writing sins and nice. I can turn over and enjoy a laugh. You've told me this before, but what's in the extended edition of the the Martian? Uh, I just watched it again last night. Um, <clears throat> it's one added scene where Donald Glover gets yelled at by his boss for spending time on this math instead of his job. This is before Donald Glover's plan becomes the deal. Um, before uh, he has the re- revelation, or no, after, he after has the, the revelation, revelation, but before he presents it to NASA. Okay, and then everything else is just literally an extended scene. So, like when he blows up the Hab. In the main movie, you see him duct taping tarp over the open hole. In the extended version, there's like five shots. And one of them has him like using a little hammer and using caulk. And basically, he lights a match to find where the smoke is going out to find all the itty bitty holes in that tarp to plug them up. Whereas the main version just shows you the end of him. It just it lets it lets everything breathe a little more. Dude, I'm t- you gave me that the extended mm-hmm. version. I love yeah. it. I haven't watched yeah, it yet. Yeah, because I, I was I'm con- I, occasionally I'll run across a 4K that I'm like, 
yeah, I'll replace my Blu-ray with that, even though it's not like, you know, mandatory yeah, or anything yeah. like that. But sometimes I'll like, yeah, that would be a good one. I don't, I'm not doing, not doing that willy nilly, but, uh, but yeah, you, yeah, you should have the extended. I think I've seen The Martian enough times where I would notice. If you hadn't told me that, I think I would have noticed yeah, those extra. I paints. think you would too. I've seen that forgetting Sarah Marshall uh, unrated version more than I've seen the real version. So I don't even know what extra thing is in there now. <laughs> well, that whole Kristen Wiig yoga scene is not in the theatrical oh, version, <laughs> but it's fucking hilarious. Hold on, Kristen Wiig or Kristen, Kristen Bell? No, Kristen Wiig. Kristen Bell's in the scene, but it's the Kristen Bell and uh, Aldous, Alba Snow go to yoga yeah. and Peter is there and he's terrible at yoga. The, the teacher yeah. is Kristen Wiig. Oh, I forgot. And she's that. like, she's like, uh, she's like fawning over the, she's so Kristen Wiig in this mm-hmm. movie. She's fawning over the celebrity nature of this. Like, everyone, you're doing great. Not you two. You're doing better than everybody else. <laughs> really, you really have done this before. It's very obvious. <laughs> I've seen that scene, but I don't know how I would have. And, um, yeah, cause, uh, Anchorman is like that for me now. Like, I've seen the unrated version. Oh, yeah. I've seen the regular one. And so that whole scene where he's like, I would never say fuck. <laughs> I would never say fuck. And all that when he's getting carried out of the, uh, the station. <laughs> fuck, I'd never say fuck. Yeah. <laughs> uh, that, I've always thought that was the original thing. And I think we had a podcast where we were talking about PG 13 movies. Yeah. And some, somebody brought up Anchorman. I was like, Anchorman is R rated as fuck. And, <laughs> started bringing up that scene and and i think it was you that brought up that uh, that's the unrated version or whatever yeah what was i watching oh I, when we were watching knives out knives out is pg-13 <laughs> it right? is but it sneaks in two fucks i don't think so there's uh mickey not mickey rourke fucking don johnson mm-hmm. same thing right yeah same thing he gets a fuck in at the beginning I, and I then there's one there's one because it it they use the the eat shit and all that stuff so mm-hmm. much that I'm like, hold on, is this is this PG thirteen rated? Mm-hmm. I just assumed it was R rated, but then I think Daniel Craig gets a fuck in oh, later on. I, too. I didn't even catch those because yeah. I I watched it the first time. I was like, wow, that I was like, I guess that was PG thirteen. I didn't know either. And sure enough, I looked it up. And then the next time I watched it, I still didn't hear those two fucks. But of course, you know, I'm desensitized. That's not that's not one that I felt like needed necessarily to be R. No. In, anyway. No. Um, I if t- they wanted to make it just real nasty, they would have done it. But they didn't. Need yeah. To I mean, it. they could have like poured on a little bit more dialogue. Like, yeah. Skating. Could have had all these people been like just super mean to each other and just have a just pepper it with fucks. How'd you like those cookies? Yeah. <laughs> I don't, I don't want to say anything now. <laughs> you know whose wraps are tight? My local Jersey Mike's. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. They're very. <laughs> <laughs> we should probably go ahead and start. <laughs>